Welcome to Big Fish Stories, the podcast dedicated to telling the real outdoor stories of adventure, hunting, and fishing. For the outdoors men and women who get lost in the stories around the campfire, this is the place for you. My name is Tyler Hendricks, located in the great state of Idaho. Our guest today is a true Idaho badass. If you're a local hunter or outdoorsman, you definitely know his name. If you don't know him, you soon will on the upcoming season of Alone, premiering May 26th on the History Channel. The man himself, Mr. Benji Hill. Benji, thank you for coming on. Hey, what an intro. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Tell me a little bit about how you first started getting into hunting and uh, where this passion for the outdoors came from. Since I was a little kid, uh, we just grew up in California, you know, roaming the little lakes and uh, backcountry passages, even in San Diego with my dad and, you know, particularly bass fishing. Um, Mm. Just been a part of our lives ever since. And I think it was the biggest part of us moving up here when I was 10. So I spent those first years, you know, down there. And and as soon as we came up here and I saw real wild places and, you know, limitless mountains and wild country, I knew even at that age – I mean, you know, at the age of 10, at the age nine, going on 10, I knew, I just knew it's just something you feel. And I think, um, people know more than they give themselves credit for. I think Mm -hmm. if you really look inside yourself, you know what you're into, what you like for nutrition. I knew that I was just, uh, you know, I'm a mountain man or an Indian in another life, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just feel it. You know, I'm, I walk that way. I feel that way when I'm in the woods, I'm completely relaxed at home Mm -hmm. present. I can't duplicate that in society. So I knew that at a young age, I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that being on the rivers fishing all summer, you didn't have to, you know, give me candy money. We were gone at first light after breakfast and we'd come home after dark every night and we were, you know, fishing, building forts, swimming the rivers with our dogs and do it every day of the summer. And cried when it was time to go back to school. So I probably should have known at that point, I didn't need to go to school. Mm -hmm. I should have learned a trade. Mm -hmm. I didn't need college. And I just needed to do what I like to do, which is be outside some form, some way. So what is it like, like, first of all, what were the reasons that you decided to, um, to go on alone? Well, I love that part of my life in my twenties and thirties when I was competing, Mm -hmm. I competed in powerlifting. Then when that, when I went to the end of that, where I was felt satisfied. I switched to strongman, mm-hmm. and that was fun because it was more athletic. Mm-hmm. You have to run, sprint, jump, lift huge rocks. Mm-hmm. So I did like three years of that and I'd always, you know, be in these uncomfortable situations with that. So mm-hmm. that was really fun. And then I had this window probably of like 10 years where I just hunted mm-hmm. and hunting was as challenging as we know, but like aside from weather and what you decide to push yourself through, mm-hmm. it's not like scary. Right. So I don't think it's scary to Mm -hmm. anything I do. I never feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. But then I just started seeing these shows and being like, dude, that's freaking, I respect that. Mm -hmm. Like I want to, I want to do that. So I literally one fall, um, I just was like, I got to go. Like, I haven't really gone to like survival. I don't really know survival. I know woodsmanship, Mm -hmm. but I haven't like been to survival. And I just had this idea that I'm going to just pick a survival school and just go for like a month and just, just see what I know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really even know what I know. So I found this survival school in Missouri, Sigma three and called the guy up and like, Hey, you got any openings? He's like, yeah, we have a six, five week class opening. You live here and we, we do everything with you. You probably have done it, 
But you know what was great was like the camaraderie of everybody mm -hmm. and then just everyone helping each other. Like I'm a hunter. I'm not really a shelter builder, mm -hmm. but we did all the stuff and we lived in our shelters out in the woods and mm -hmm. just immersed. And I'm like, wait, this is way more fun than living in society. Right. So then I was like, oh, I got to like, I got to do the next step. Mm -hmm. Like now I want to go live off the land. So mm -hmm. then I started pushing those parameters a little bit and fasting mm -hmm. and then trying to eat more natural diet and, you know, dealing with that kind of challenge. And then my hunting changed instead of hunting just to go after, you know, a bigger animal or a different species. I was like, mm -hmm. I just want to get as close as possible to a doe and make a great shot and like use the whole animal and learn about bone, bone broths and tanning hides and smoking meat mm -hmm. and, you know, like into the wild type of stories that started fascinating me. And uh, then from there I was like, okay, like, we had this uh, kid, you know, Zoe's born and, you know, it was kind of hectic. And then all of a sudden everything seemed calm for a moment. And mm -hmm. I'm like, now's my window. Mm -hmm. uh, it's time to go. All right. I'm comfortable. Kids doing okay. Yep. Life's going by. I want to be uncomfortable again. Mm -hmm. I want to like have this realization of self and mm -hmm. be challenged to my core and be scared yeah. like with something. And I think that's where, you know, many people say like the most growth happens is in the uncomfortable zone. Mm -hmm. Life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. So I was seeking being uncomfortable and mm. from application to launch to, you know, coming home till now, it's been uncomfortable for almost a year. <laughs> I've been uncomfortable for a year. I'm well, like comfortable right your now. Your wish was granted. I'm like, <laughs> Wow, like comfortable is like, what is that? I'm right. not used to that. Right. From traveling mm -hmm. to, you know, documents to physical checks to psyche yep. valves. You go through everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very thorough. And then obviously the experience outside is mm -hmm. that. I'll be honest with you. For me, the hardest part was reentry. And it is mm -hmm. with hunting too. When I guide or hunt and I come back to civilization, I really struggle. Right. Like someone just cut me off driving here. Mm -hmm. That just bothers me to no end <laughs> that people are that disrespectful. Right. In the woods, there's this, this undeniable respect. Mm -hmm. You clean up, you're nice to people you see out there, mm -hmm. everyone's happy. Yep. I just get run off the road when I come back to town and I'm driving the speed limit. Like right. people are just not being kind. So mm -hmm. I struggle with that for a, a time. And when I came out of those woods, living like my dream mm -hmm. Huck Finn life. Oh yeah. Dude. There's no doubt you need psychiatric mm -hmm. help. Like I would have been fine just staying, you know, right. in a lot of ways. Right. I actually kind of still want to. Right. So um, I think that's within a lot of us, not maybe all of us that were raised with modern things, but I moved to Idaho because I didn't like living in San Diego as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like I, I endured it. I was happy. But then once we came to Idaho and I saw like this place, I was like, I don't care if anyone comes with me, mm -hmm. mom and dad, but like, just figure out a way to get me out of here. Like, right. And we moved up here when I was 10. I've been here ever since. Wow. But, you know, we, we had a lot of sacrifices and I always remember my mom and dad being like, you're going to have to find new friends. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm not moving to Idaho to find new friends. Like, right. If people run by me in the woods with a dog and we're going hunting, then that's my new friend. Right. But I'm not going to go down, <laughs> sit on the corner and be like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Who, well, you know, I don't 
friend. Like I'm good on my own. And it's right. always been that way, you know, right, right. a good dog, a good pack goat. Mm-hmm. And anyone who wants to go is now my friend. Right. Something. So you've always been pretty independent. Yeah. Um, did you start, did you dive into the outdoors right when you got here at 10? Yeah, because we were, a, my dad was a bass fisherman mm-hmm. and just like a really good dad. Man after my own heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still love, I think bass fishing's awesome. Oh, it's so fun. You know, as I much just, as, we just did a bass tournament yesterday yeah. uh, and it was horrible, but it was still super fun. I think we caught our fifth fish at 3.30, half an hour oh, before. Oh, awesome. So I remember those days, yeah, yeah. like being on the boat mm-hmm. and, you know, he was fishing or prep trying to qualify or something. So yeah. me and my brother would be on the boat and mm-hmm. he'd always bring us with us. And if it wasn't going well, we'd go bluegill fishing, yeah. but always getting dropped off on points mm-hmm. and he'd go sit the point and he was really good at working these jigs, right, yep. like a jigging pig or something mm-hmm. was like his, he caught some big bass in California, yeah. but I would be up and my brother and I would be up there just playing in water. And mm-hmm. I think that's where that adventurous spirit was cultivated. Mm-hmm. Whereas the kid today that his dad doesn't take him to the lake to just be technologically free, whether it's Anderson or magic. Mm-hmm. And I take kids from base camp down to magic and dump technology. And we were all fishing on the shore and yeah. you know what? No one was having a bad time. We no. didn't catch a fish, but everyone had like two hours off of right. the influx of everyone else's stuff. And that's priceless. And you can be a kid. Yeah. You can just go throw rocks. Yeah. Like what, what's wrong with that? Right. Go look around. Get dirty. It. Yeah. Jump in the water. It's, I yeah. still have fun obviously doing it yeah. and like going swimming in the river when it's, you know, freezing cold and it's just fun to do all that and go barefoot, like right. slow down and go barefoot. You don't have to be in a right. hurry. You're so, being your primitive, probably true self and everyone else probably is adapting to something that is not not who they're meant to be. Correct. And you wonder why, as I think, and this is a generalization, as a population, we're not as happy as we could be. Yeah. That's just my two cents. But I well, see you things. see it with kids. Like, I see it for sure. And they just seem unfulfilled. Right. You know, I work dogs and goats, obviously. And I see animals that are packing and working. And my dogs, when they're doing their jobs, they're happy as could be. Mm-hmm. I like doing my jobs. And that's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. When we don't have jobs that are in line with like, you know, really rewarding tasks, mm-hmm. it's just, you're not that happy. Right. And I've had jobs where that, that weren't that fulfilling. And when they became not fulfilling, I had to be like, ah, this seems like a lot of work. Oh, I yeah. don't really enjoy it. Right. And luckily, I'm just the type of person that doesn't like conform. I'm like, I'm done. Right. I don't care. That's great. I don't want property. I don't, I don't own earth. Mm-hmm. I'm just a resident here for my time. I'm just trying to get the napweed off my property. <laughs> so whoever screwed it up before me, it looks beautiful. And right. it comes with, that's not my identity. Yeah. My identity is a freaking under a tarp or mm-hmm. in a bivy or just laying out in the woods with a hide. In survival school, I just rolled with my caribou hide. Mm-hmm. And I went with that for like five weeks and, mm-hmm. and hot rocks. And you know what? I slept better than 99.9% of humans. And I still do mm-hmm. with just a hot rock in any sort of insulation on the ground. That's awesome. You know? And people are struggling with sleeping. Mm-hmm. Wonder why that is right. You haven't put your dirt, your feet on the ground in your whole life. And you wonder why you're not feeling good. Mm-hmm. There's something to it. Totally. Try it out. Try fasting for a whole day. Try walking around, put your feet, look at other cultures. They put their bare feet on the dirt mm-hmm. daily. Mm-hmm. When does most people walk barefoot? Mm-hmm. just in their house oh no sorry that's not dirt right that's clean i'm talking barefoot around the outside mm-hmm. other cultures stand in wet grass in their yards there's a reconnection to the planet mm-hmm. i think you'll feel a lot better if you do that and i think there's a lot of science back in it it's called earthing yeah um 
I think basic stuff like that is what you should get from a loan. Like I went in barefoot. Like they were like worried about me Did you? being barefoot the whole two weeks before. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm getting connected. Uh-huh. Like, I don't care if I step on a stick, I wasn't meant to go. Right. But I didn't come here to like, again, I'm, my focus isn't, if you focus on winning, you're never going to win. Mm-hmm. I never focused in lifting on winning. Mm-hmm. I focused on hitting my weights and hitting my highest numbers. If I happen to hit all those numbers, I could win. Mm-hmm. Somebody else could lose. You go under the woods and you're focused on winning something, good luck. Try eating something. <laughs> Try not sticking a knife in your leg. Right. Try not breaking your leg. Yep. Dudes go down with knee injuries. You mm-hmm. know, so you're, you know, I think as uh, an outdoorsman, you got to look at the simple steps and the day-to-day mm-hmm. with hunting and being outside that, you know, move you closer to where you're going, whatever that is for you, whether it's hunting, mm-hmm. having a great hike, you know, it doesn't matter how many miles you do. It doesn't right. matter how much vert you did. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how big the animal is. Did you, do you come home and do you feel satisfied with mm-hmm. it? And that's only, only you can identify that. Right. So it's kind of more of a you against you with survival and hunting in my world now than me and what anyone else is doing. Cause mm-hmm. what they're doing, I don't really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. Right. Have you had any situations, uh, like, you know, uh, a mistake happens in the wilderness that you got to get out for some reason or something, something dangerous oh. happens. Um, I mean, the only things that I can speak to recently are just like bad errors in judgment and getting wet and moderately mm-hmm. close to hypothermia, mm-hmm. which I think is what I teach most of the young folks. That's that tends being unprepared and taking bad, making bad decisions and then getting cold are generally the big issues Mm -hmm. and i've had a few times where i've hunted you know i like hunting in the rain and i've gotten too wet too cold barely you know the simple test of this one sorry i did the wrong finger but (laughs) if you can't do this Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a hard time starting a fire right i've been sheep hunting in montana before and been in a hailstorm and just been like oh no i'm good you know i'm gonna just keep pushing and pretty soon i can't quite close my hand and then pretty soon i'm like really cold and then mm. i'm like without that good cheater fire starter mm-hmm. and like a pile of dead wood under some wood i don't know if i would have quite turned that one around like for people I, who don't know what's yeah. that test that's the hypothermic test that like if you're you can't getting, do if this you can't touch your when you get really cold you it's really hard to touch your thumb to your pinky gotcha so that's just and it'll a be good, it'll there'll just be a gap you yeah you'll just feel like you can't do it oh okay. you know like I just consider like failure on a set where you can't like lock out an exercise and you're trying your hardest and your arms just won't work or something simple like that. I can't finish a curl or Mm -hmm. a pull up. You're just stuck like there on a pull up. Mm -hmm. It's like that. Your hand will just go to there and you're like trying your hardest, but you can't get it to go. Pick up a lighter, Mm -hmm. pick up a blowtorch and try and get it to work. Your hands are like, interesting. So that's a really simple one. And you know, that's good. Cause I I've, I've heard of that, but I didn't, I, you know, I don't think I understood how it would happen if I was getting close to that. Yeah. So a really good way to teach it with the kids is ice water, mm-hmm. hands and ice water or your main hand mm-hmm. for a minute and a half. Yeah. And then you bring it out and you see what it feels like. Cause you want people, you can't just tell people like, oh, this is what hypothermia feels like. They just look at you like, oh, I've been cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. No, you can't function. And all of a sudden your ability mm-hmm. to start a fire is what's going to save your butt. Right. And you can't work this hand so we put the hand in water pull it out and then you feel like how your hand is and then you give them a lighter and they're like can't strike the lighter and then you give them ferro rod can't scrape sparks off your ferro rod and it's like okay you're in really deep water right now so yeah yeah. i'd say of everything i think i've probably been close 
numerous times, never obviously too far, but I've been on the edge where if I didn't start a fire a few times, I probably could have been in trouble by myself. Yeah. Extreme high country sheep hunting. Another one, probably bear hunting where I was really wet, soaked, mm-hmm. and you just have to be able to dry out. And mm. the thing that people don't also realize is you don't always have to pull all your stuff off. Mm-hmm. Like you just need to get over there and just get that heat coming into you. Like mm-hmm. you pull your front off, but like don't pull all your clothes off. Right. Like just start that's getting what the I, heat. I've uh, thought get that naked. since I was a kid. You just get naked, you hang up your clothes so it dries and you wait. <laughs> well, just get some on your body. But yeah. like a lot of people are like, you just, you're like almost hypothermic. Then you're standing by a fire mm-hmm. in your underwear. Yeah. There's also some risks <laughs> to that. So like just get down to your pants yeah. and your t-shirt and yeah. then dry their base layer out mm-hmm. and then start drying your outer layers right. out and then add your layers back on <laughs> and you know, that's, that sounds that's, way smarter. I mean, I've had, I've had people fall in rivers before on mm-hmm. hunts and I knew that they would be close, mm-hmm. you know, or go in. I've actually had somebody go in pretty good. And, uh, you know, before they were even barely out of the water, I was like running and starting a fire and making it safe mm-hmm. and like, don't take your clothes off. Just start walking to me, walk over here, mm-hmm. just start breathing and yeah. walking and like, just get the, to the fire and then start yeah. peeling off a few layers mm-hmm. and take your boots off, dump the water. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like that could go south with somebody pretty yep. quick. So I'd say that's the thing you got to be really careful of. And then for me, it seemed like, um, in Canada this fall, like dehydration was a real issue because mm-hmm. you got to process all your own water mm-hmm. and yet you're really busy. So if you choose to filter or boil your water, in this case, boil, the time to take start a fire in a really damp, wet situation, get the wood, mm-hmm. boil out a pot of water, drink the water because it's hot. It takes, I mean, it's a two-hour process. Right. And you want to go be productive. And that's glossed over always about how long that takes. Let me tell you, it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. So in the morning, I would try and get up and get my water processed drink a huge thing of pine needle tea to get some antioxidants or some Labrador tea. It was another herb you mm-hmm. could use miners. I think they call it like some kind of miners tea, but it was a, a cool plant and mm-hmm. you would get some of that in your system. And I would always take some of my salt, mm-hmm. which is one of my items that's on the, the list just to keep my electrolytes. So I'd hold some water mm-hmm. and then I'd be good for the day. But if I, the few days I missed that because I was like scared I had to go check my traps. I was afraid something was going to get them mm-hmm. or the tide was right or the water was right height-wise for fishing when I knew the fish were easy to, to catch. Mm-hmm. I would skip that. And then by the afternoon, you know, I was set up for problems. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people go into the woods and forget about hydration mm-hmm. and they get tired and they make bad mistakes. Mm-hmm. So those are the two like kind of silent killers is hypothermia and dehydration. It's not food. It's water and water. Right. Gotcha. That's kind of my experience. Somebody else has a different experience and mm-hmm. they'll go with that. But if you can't start a fire too, fire is your microclimate. Mm-hmm. So any crappy situation, you can almost turn it around mm-hmm. and start a fire and, and get going. And I've also have some pretty big spoofs where like Canada fishing with my brother up in the high country, up in Copper Basin. I've like been good about it, but mm-hmm. I've started root fires yep. and that's like three times hotter. Yeah, like where I was boiling water and mm-hmm. it tr- it fired up a root and that root burned into the tree and yep. then started a tree on fire. Oh. I've had like a couple of bad root fires Oof. and I'm definitely guilty of screwing that up by <laughs> not like dousing and digging out right. the root structure. Yeah. And then it smolders for days and then kicks up. Mm. So that's probably my biggest Achilles heel of mistakes I've made is left not like been able to 
track those root fires yep. and then come back and, and like pouring rain in Canada, fishing up in the Quetico canoe country. My brother comes by like, like a day later and there's like a fire going up this tree or something, you know, that I left from the day before in a Jeez. pouring rainstorm, <laughs> like where you couldn't start a fire. Right. But it, I got it so hot, it smoldered the roots. And then yeah. once the weather cleared oxygen from that hole, yeah. and continually feeding it. So, entire, but you might not know that it's doing it until it's slowly working its way up the tree. Right. Yeah. And once it gets to the tree, the whole tree goes up. Oh, so I am forest fire. <laughs> huge guilty yeah. and part of the good, the good lessons to share with stuff like these podcasts and stuff mm -hmm. is not how great I am or anything I did. It doesn't matter. That's just, you know, you do the best you can, but like, where can we learn from the mistakes? Totally. Guilty is charged. 100%. I've left some shitty fires not put out in the woods. Right. Probably more of any damage I've done. I've done that, mm -hmm. you know, so happy to admit, drown your fires, dig them out. It's really nice to have mm -hmm. a tool like your axe handle or something you're going to dull, but mm -hmm. dig out your whole fire, put your hands on it, feel it. Yeah. If there's any smoldering, you know, dirt that looks mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's why is there smoke coming out of the ground over there? Mm -hmm. Dig that out. It's the root fire going to the tree. Right. So, well, and tell me, cause you're definitely more of a mature outdoorsman than I am at this point. Does it ever feel like you go a couple years with no mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm super hard on myself. Yeah. I make mistakes every right. day. Yeah. No. The mistakes might get more minor, true, but true. they're still mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in, I, I don't I have that illusion of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm insanely hard on myself to a fault when I'm trying to, one of the things I tried to work on was being more forgiving of making mistakes and being human mm. and, you know, not beating myself up over stuff, but just adjusting and, making it better the next time. Right. You know, and then the comparing to, you know, other people or other things and how they're doing, it doesn't matter. How mm -hmm. am I today versus how I was yesterday? That's right. a big one that I took from this. Did I improve my situation in the woods from yesterday? Did I help the people around me on this last hunt mm -hmm. more today? Or am I teaching them something in the survival world that could save their life that they mm -hmm. can pass on? Or am I just showing how to better respect our woods right. and, when I'm at a public trailhead and everyone's got beer cans and trash everywhere, I came in tired. I just walked seven miles. They just rode dirt bikes. Mm -hmm. I go around with a trash can and pick up all the trash mm -hmm. for the whole place. And I guarantee I burned 15,000 calories, 1,500 calories. Yeah. No one else did. And, you know, I'm just like, you just got to do the, uh, go a little bit farther. Right. And that's all I'm saying is like, as a mature woodsman, I want that place to look better every time I get there. Totally. And when I scarred the woods with fire or whatever, the decisions I've made, those affect me and I've learned from those, right. you know, and I'm, I'm cognizant of that. I'm happy to share it. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not perfect. But well, I means. think that's, that's the important part, especially a, a big reason that I decided to do this podcast is so that people can share their real stories of, of successes and failures. Yeah. Um, because we all have them and even mature hunters will have them again and they'll be shocked. And it's, it almost comes out of a sense of, um, they got a little too cocky. They got a little too cocky in the outdoors. They thought they were the shit and they couldn't do anything wrong. And boom, that's the year that it feels like you're 12 years old and you made that same mistake that you did when you were 12 again. Yeah, it's legit. Uh, and that's, that's something that I'm, I'm more than happy to share with people who are just starting to get into it, just starting to get interested because it's not, there's not all this glory or good feelings throughout. 
you're going to make big mistakes that are heart-wrenching mistakes, especially when dealing with animals oh, yeah. uh, and, and harvesting an animal correctly. Oh, gosh. Yeah, once you assume responsibility for that thing's life, mm-hmm. last light shots, mm-hmm. you don't know where they go. Mm-hmm. That's the, Those are the worst nights of sleep I've ever had. Oh, so yeah. when I have 99% oh, success, there are a handful of shots. I stuck a mountain goat back mm-hmm. here in Idaho with a longbow. Mm-hmm. That night... I can still remember mm-hmm. just that, like, that animal is out there. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Right. I'm up all night. I mean, like, as soon as I could, like, almost think a scene, I was like, I just got to get out of the tent. Yeah. Like, I got to go resolve this. Yep. Good, bad, or indifferent. You're I, just I cannot, laying there anyways. can't handle it. Yeah. It just ate me up. And mm-hmm. some people may not have that. They're like, oh, it's a tough animal. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. Right. I actually feel that. I feel like I I did that. Whether it was my arrow didn't hit right, it had a bad paradox, like I hit it good, yeah. but I got no penetration. Yeah. What happened there? Right. So I'm up all night just like, oh, Running geez. it through your head over yep. and over yep. and over. You know, nothing against like baiting bears because it's a harvest tool. It's a management tool, and you get to harvest a more mature animal usually. But unfortunately, it's just still kind of like one of those things. I'm like, ah, oh, it just makes honey I'm with so you. dumb. And I bear baited because yeah. that's why I do it. Mm-hmm. I bear baited when I was in my 20s yep. and I harvested a big bear that way. And I did it once and mm-hmm. I was like, how do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. Okay, I used all the meat. It was delicious. Um, the hide was amazing. It's one of my coolest rugs. Mm-hmm. But while I do it again, I'm like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I feel that great about it. Right. And when I look back at others doing it, like the people I just saw the other day, they just leave trash everywhere, mm-hmm. and you know, I do, not everybody, but I just think it it makes hunting look kind of look a little bit convoluted and, totally. and not as clean as it could. Right. Where spot and stock bear hunting is so hard and mm-hmm. so challenging to take a four or five foot, you know, young boar or whatever. Yep. You have to put in like x amount of days glassing and being right. in that weather and blizzards. I was just in, <laughs> and then melting sun mm-hmm. and wind. I mean, it whoops you. Right. But it's rewarding. Right, and then right. I see the guys down there, and they're like, oh, that's a young bear. I'm like, yeah, there was no bait pile, bro. <laughs> right. And I didn't ride my four-wheeler to it, so. I'm not collecting he couldn't all even, the bear he couldn't even, mile distance. Yeah, he couldn't even be like, spot. congratulations. Oh, that's what I mean. I'm like, I don't even relate to, you're not, you and I aren't hunters. I'm 100% with you on it. I've. I've never actually bear baited for for that reason. You're you're not seeing it in its natural element either. You're almost shooting it at, at a dumpster. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. Uh, and I also have not struggled to find bear walking in our mountains. We yeah. have a high population of black bear in our area yeah. that are there if you know where to look and if you put the time in, in the mountains. Yeah, it's uh, definitely like a big mule deer in mm-hmm. a way or even a big elk, meaning you, you do have to put in those huge hours mm-hmm. and spend a lot of time outdoors. Right. And I think people just unfortunately want to cut that process off mm-hmm. and get that instant gratification and that dopamine hit right. and get the grip and rip. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is carry dog food, grease, and some scent out there and yeah. eventually... You know, if you don't disturb it too much, Mm -hmm. a pretty good sized bear will come in. So I'm as guilty as anyone. And and a lot of the lessons I've learned in my life, I've done both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, Not with something that would harm other people, but, you know, more things like chested my own morals. Right. So when no one taught me hunting, I learned it that way. And I actually bear baited because I wanted to see what it was like. Totally. I actually enjoyed it for that season because I probably baited for two months and it was a lot of work and I made myself pack the weight in. It was like my cardio for lifting. Mm-hmm. I was power lifting a lot then. Yep. And I'd carry all the bait in and, and I'd do it two to three times a week. And I was using trashed food. So I wasn't like, you know, I was using a waste product. Right. 
I didn't feel good about giving that to the animals because mm-hmm. I'm like, this isn't their natural diet. Right. So I was struggling I'm, with I that. I don't want to eat this one. Yeah, it was nothing <laughs> I would want to eat. And you can't use game scraps. <laughs> right. So you're not giving them back, you know, mm-hmm. duck carcasses that you boned out. But sure. now I would turn them into bone broth. So, I'm, you know, a lot has changed since those days. Mm-hmm. But I did see a wolverine from the stand, and that was really cool. That's awesome. And after, like, many, many sits and many mm-hmm. good peaceful times contemplating what I was doing right. by myself, no one coaching me, no one told me what to do. Mm-hmm. I finally had a really big boar come in, made, you know, a shot, didn't actually take him. It got stuck in the ribs because mm-hmm. I used a three blade head instead of a two blade. Yep. 70 pound recurve. Mm-hmm. We ran away. Mm. So, I mean, we're into a story and I'm like, so I'm already on the fence with this. Right. Now I just dinged a huge animal mm-hmm. and I kind of disrespected it mm-hmm. like because it was coming into my dumpster site. Right, right. So now I'm like like actually really upset. Right. And I'm out by myself and I'm like the last day of season's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I got a wounded animal, poor drain, there's no blood. Gosh. So I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to sleep in the car mm-hmm. and just track tomorrow and I'm just going to go all day. Well, yep. I started tracking, nope, success. So I was mm-hmm. like... I'm going to go back and just sit the barrel one more time mm-hmm. out of just just to sit here and suffer because I'm such an idiot. <laughs> and like I shot a bear with a three-blade right. head. I should have used the yep. two-blade head. The angle was so steep, I came in on these top ribs, yep. and it didn't go through. Mm-hmm. Um, sure enough, man, that poor poor guy came limping back into the site that mm-hmm. night. And like I guarantee you, I sat through rain for like three hours. I he was actually shivering. came back. It was, it was rainstorm. It was like almost dark, wow. blue light. It was yep. like blue light. Pouring rain, it was running down my back because back then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, it's not cloudy out. I'm not taking a raincoat, right. so I'm in a sweatshirt or whatever, soaked. <laughs> right. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not getting out. Yeah, you wounded this, is this my thing. Penance. You're sitting till dark, and I was going to make more penance. Yeah. Like, and sure enough, he comes just like hobbling in, and I'm like, okay, this is no time to feel sorry. Mm-hmm. It's time to put this guy down. Right. Like, so I just cleaned this, my mental slate. I was yep. like, you're shooting to kill. Right. Two blade broadhead now. Yep. He comes through. He literally like goes. And looks like up my direction and I like pierced my heart. Oh. But I was like, I was like, sorry, bro. Oh. Like I'm going to do the, yes. what you should have done to me if I was wounded. Right. I just drained it. So yeah. he went right down, mm-hmm. clean the moment up. And the crazy thing is with this story is as soon as I put him down and I'm sitting there like probably close to really emotional for mm-hmm. me, which is like wrestling with this whole scenario I created right. and harvesting this animal and putting him through a day of you know, pain and all that, all because of my wanting to shoot this bear over bait. Right. The sky breaks and it gl- it just, this red sky, like it was the darkest red sky and mm-hmm. I have it on an old video because I had a video in my pocket and I'm like, it's a blood red sky. Like mm-hmm. whatever this means, something just happened. And right. He just passed and the sky brain breaks and it's just bright red and I get down and I go over to him and I'm just like, sorry. And ever since I've had this new respect for mm-hmm. my harvested game and I'm just like, Sorry, man. I learned so much from this. Right. Like, sorry to put you through that. Gosh. Thanks for coming back and giving me closure. Yeah. And I freaking spent the whole night skinning that dude in my mom mm-hmm. and dad's garage. Yeah. And it was immaculate. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't waste a shred of meat. Gosh. I did it like as best I've ever skinned a hide. Right. Like, I mean, I was like, right. and I was just so, I was up all night with it. Gosh. And I made the best of it I could. And I yeah. think that's the lesson is you can't just you know, say it's bad or good. You have to experience it and then decide for yourself, which right. is what we're talking about. So I'm, I'm bear baited and I have mm-hmm. still done it for other people, sure. but then I kind of teach them off of it. Yeah. I'm like, this is what we're doing. And do you really feel like this is kind of what it is? You decide, but mm-hmm. I'll show you. And 
you make the decision, and right. eventually they're kind of like, I don't know, man, this isn't that fun. I'd rather mm-hmm. go for a hike. Right. Pretty soon they're like, yeah, we sat that two nights. Let's go hiking. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. like, cool, good, perfect. <laughs> I didn't tell you what to do because I know how I respond to <laughs> right, that. Right, right, right. I showed you. It's mm-hmm. really not that cool unless mm-hmm. you just want to shoot big animals that are sitting on trash, right, right, and food, which is. They're going to lose every time. Right. Totally. So anyway, sorry we got derailed on that. But no, that's just what it. I'm that's, in right that now. That is a beautiful story. And what a blessing that that thing came back in. It gives me because, chills. Like it almost makes me a little sad again. Yeah. I tell a story that it, it's happened to me just a couple of years ago. Um, I put myself in a position where this bull elk was walking in front of us. Uh, we only had to do one cow call. It was kind of a perfect scenario. I thought I was giving my buddy like, this is done. This, the deal is done. I don't even, (laughs) there was a part of me that was like, why even, why even put an arrow in it? This is done deal. Like I've, it's almost like when you win the chess game, Yeah, you you know, coming and you're like, yeah, but that was me getting really cocky and this bull walked in front. I, I thought everything was perfect. Uh, I made a little noise, released the arrow arrow felt really good as it left i felt like i i kept my composure and it hit and just that far in and it it hit right in the spot that i wanted it didn't break through a rib or something and i still run it through my mind all the time and and at first when i hit i was like done because you couldn't see i couldn't see the perspective of where the arrow went in and as it was running away i just see just a tiny bit of penetration it's not in the shoulder it's not it's not too high. Yeah. It just nice. looks like it's stuck right perfectly oh, in a rib. No. And I don't know if it like deflected and lost some speed or something because it should break right through. But those are the things that continually eat you up all night. And yeah. and for days, I looked for that thing. Yeah. Uh, and you're still thinking about it. I life, still think it'll about it. It'll be a lifetime uh, piece of baggage. Yeah. Where compared to like, I, I, I love the story uh, of your bear hunt. Because you got to end it, you know, you got to end that story for that bear. Um, and even though it, it wasn't the ideal ending, the one that you wanted, you still, it's almost like, it's almost like someone lets you have a second chance at this so you could move on. Yeah. And that, that to me is a beautiful story, even if, you know, and it's the story that's going to stick with you that you can share with other people. And it ended in redemption. It did. Um, even though it kept you up. It did. And it was, <laughs> it was really tough and really rewarding. And I think the, the take home there is to not give up. Mm-hmm. You ding that bull, you spend days. I, oh, yeah. I would, I think this should be universal. Mm-hmm. This is my two cents. And anyone that, chooses to be in my hunting party should embrace Mm -hmm. but you draw blood lethally Mm -hmm. you eat the tag oh yeah why is why do people not understand that i cut my tag as soon as i hit that bull because it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. we're all dealing the same thing now Mm -hmm. primitive man did it way more because they had to survive they're sending arrows and animals ass butt cheeks hoping to hit the artery i get that we don't need to i've got food at home I have fresh bear right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't need to risk wounded animal. And in but, Idaho, there's plenty of roadkill too. Correct. And I've <laughs> gone off roadkill mm-hmm. uh, just fine. But I think 
take home lesson. If you put a good shot on that animal and mm-hmm. you're not willing to spend the rest of the season to recover even the skull, the ivory all right, on a cow. That's your bull. That's your bull. You don't just go, you know, I see too many people and I've seen this universally since I started hunting. The animal runs over the ridge. I'm across the canyon. You know, they look around where they shot. There's no blood. They mm-hmm. walk off and you go over the ridge and it's piled up. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, you 100%. Didn't, you know, how many people do that? You need to, without a doubt, minimum look for a day mm-hmm. hard and then really two days hard. I've yep. taken a client. Um, shot a bull on the third day, great shot, a little mm-hmm. high, but the animal whirled right when the air bow went off because mm-hmm. he was twitchy, made a great hit, great blood trail. We were tracking it, ran into some other people who gave that bull that adrenaline mm-hmm. and that bull plugged up and mm-hmm. ran. And I called in and was like, that's the end of our hunt. I'm yep. going to spend the rest of this guy's time looking for the bull. And if that's not protocol or that doesn't work for him, I'm done. Right. Right. And it doesn't matter who I work for or what. That's my code. Yep. I'll look on my days off. Yeah. So I looked for the next three days and then on my day off, I came back with my dog Mm -hmm. and I still looked for it. Mm -hmm. Never recovered that bull. And it was dead, dead shot. I saw the shot hit. I saw the blood. Right. It was broadside, but it was broadside. And when the arrow hit, I think it whirled Mm -hmm. and like yours, it deflected some of the energy and it went maybe one lung instead of what should have been a perfect two or lung nicked the back of a lung or something. And I think it would have laid down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's another component is let those animals lay that you're not sure about. Cause once you bump them and they know it's a human deal, they kick into these superheroes. Yeah. And they may go two mountain ranges away and die yeah. on their feet, mm-hmm. but you're not going to see a drop of blood and you're not going to find them. And I covered everything. I walked every grid. I walked with my dog. We never found that animal. Right. He may have survived. But again, you eat that tag. Eat I don't it. care if you came here and spent $7,500 plus tip plus airfare, say it's a $10,000 hunt. Yeah. Enjoy that tag, mount it, put it on your wall, and remember that we didn't recover that animal, but yeah. you don't get to go shoot another one in a day later. No, I'm, So I don't get what people are thinking when they're like, oh, one guy who thinks he's a great hunter, oh, I shot six, three, six points this year, mm-hmm. and here's the one I found. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I ain't no names required. I'm yeah. done. I'm doing it. Not, don't no association. I have not talked to that person yep. again since. We're not on the same playing no. field as far as what hunting that's, is. That's survival hunting, and mm-hmm. I get that. If you're an Inuit and you're living off the land, you may ding a couple animals you you to can. feed you're your family. Eating. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I would do it. Mm-hmm. But this is not the same when you have one Idaho elk tag, and mm-hmm. we're all hunting. Yep. You put an animal in, an arrow in there, and it's mortally wounded. Mm-hmm. It could be a bat butt shot. Right. You're bleeding hard, and you don't find it. Punch the tag. Yep. Everybody punch no, the was, tag. That was a hundred percent. You're done. And that was the big mistake that I made is as at, right after I made the shot and I thought it was good from my perspective, I run over to my buddy and I'm like, it's done. That is a, that elk Notch is the gone. tag today. Yeah. I literally, literally was notching the tag. Cause to me that even if I couldn't find it, that, that yeah. is a, to me, it was a lethal shot where it went. Even if, and I didn't know how that it only went this far in at the beginning. Um, but still, something's going to push that thing in further. To me, it, it's a dead elk no matter yeah. what. So the big mistake I made, though, is, and this is me being cocky, I popped up and over the hill. And I was talking to someone on the phone really loud afterwards. I happened to have service. And I was telling them, come on up. Uh, yeah. You, you know you know how you, yeah, when yeah. you when you pack when you pack someone else's animal out, 
you know that they can also now help you pack an animal out. It was one of those situations where I was on the phone going, like, yep. you better start coming up yep. this road because this is where we're at. It's going to be a long night. And I was talking way too loud. I didn't realize that this elk ran right down in the forest beneath me and probably bedded down ready to die. Uh, I, or if I don't know if it would have based on how far the arrow was in, but maybe he would have rolled and, and punctured his lung even farther. Either way, he was in this forest for a long time, and I think I was talking too loud, and he started moving up, and then he started running up. And you could see the blood trail the entire time. He was The blood was pretty thick right at the beginning, and then as soon as the track started going uphill and you see where he's running, it plugged up, and all I could follow was just one drop of blood every maybe three maybe three yards but it, and it was that's how thick it was at the beginning and yeah. then it slowly started going away and i looked for that oh. thing for two and a half days and yeah. then i called fishing game and said if anyone reports uh, an elk with an arrow in it i will go out and find it i'll go out and get it yeah that's great that's um, one i've never done but yeah makes sense like hey or mark down at the trailheads mm-hmm. you know on the right side i've got a supposed five by five yeah hit. Please let me know if you see this animal or you mm-hmm. recover it. Yeah. I'm happy to share the meat, pack it, whatever. I just want to know that there's some closure. Yeah. And fishing yeah. game was fishing game even said, uh, you know, it's it's probably fine. You've done your due diligence. And to me, I was, and even some friends were saying that. And I was like, and that's what I'm saying. No, it's not common knowledge or even taught mm-hmm. in any bow hunters ed or anything. Yeah. And I think it should be. You have to obviously make that call with yourself, mm-hmm. and, and you obviously plenty of animals get shot and found with broadheads on them that scarred over and all yeah. that. We can argue that till freaking next sure. year. Sure, I'm not saying that, but I think you have to put your. What this does is it changes your recovery approach. Mm-hmm. If you lose that animal, you will look for days harder, yes. more, and you can still salvage some mm-hmm. of that animal. Roadkill, right? It's on the road. If it's September mm-hmm. and it dies in a forest, you're going to lose one side. Give that to the bears, but yeah. you still have a whole nother side that may have not bone soured and yep. rotted out and you can do something with that. Right. So, I mean, challenge. The meat you get in the stores is way older than that. Correct. And <laughs> challenge yourself. Like it's not fun to no. go track when it's really hard. Yeah. But like actually embrace that. Mm-hmm. Go like, Hey man, I wounded this thing. Let's see if I can dig this out. Right. This is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Don't go keep hunting. Cause that's fun. Yeah. No. Go back down there and suck it up and do a whole nother day of tracking and then go home be like, man, I should really think about how I approach my shots mm-hmm. and my ranges. When did bow hunting become a 60 to 80 yard shot sport? Right. Even when I hunted with a compound in high school in my first year of college, 30 yards was top. Totally. And I could smoke 30 yards all day, but 40 yards wasn't, I wasn't taught 40 yards mm-hmm. was an ethical range. Right. 50 yards certainly was not ethical. Mm-hmm. Now, I know these weapons do that, and these crossbows are more insane. Mm-hmm. But how about what the essence of Fred Bear? For mm-hmm. Fred Bear, the essence of bow hunting mm-hmm. was to get close. Right. Get closer. Yeah. Make a better shot. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a weapon that'll shoot 100 yards, at least get to 50. Right. There's a massive difference between 150 100 to 50 and 50 to 25. And generally, I would like to be 15. Mm-hmm. There's a massive difference. I know people have never taken an animal at 10 to 15 yards. Right. I'd say almost most of mine are sub 15 yards. Right. And yeah. I don't have a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm great harvesting, but I get as close as possible sure. and punch it right through. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to worry a whole lot about trying. 100%. So I think as a population of hunters, 
since we're not in survival mode, we have to reevaluate why we're putting this animal through this. And it's mm-hmm. great meat and it's great to get out there and learn how to do this. It's something we will eventually need to know how to do mm-hmm. on this planet again, if the planet keeps us here. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to shoot 100 yards with bows just to see what happens right. unless you're at the target range. Have mm-hmm. fun with it. Mm-hmm. Don't put the elk through that just because it was the biggest bull you ever saw. Totally. Most chance you're going to ding it. You're going to wound it and it's going to limp around, die that winter. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, I think that that will change people's perspective on should I take this shot? Because if, if you're going to have to put in three to five days of tracking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because Hold yourself to that. Yeah, there's the oh, challenge. 100%. There's another challenge. If you're going to release an arrow, be prepared to spend, let's just call it minimum 48 hours, two days, sun up to sundown. Yep. Even when you can't find blood, even when you can't find a track, grid searching, dogs, mm-hmm. find somebody with a tracking dog, you know, whatever you can legally do, go call fish and game. Mm-hmm. Well, I think and also, we owe it to these animals. 100%. And hold those who are around you. Those who you know are even equal, equal playing field with you as hunters, hold them accountable to that as well. Because yep. I see way too often people going, it's o-, trying to make people feel better. It's okay. It's okay. You're going you're gonna to go out three days from now and you're going to get your, a chance at another one. No. No. No, you're done. No. That's it. A, you're done. And B, the only way you're going to salvage this is, salvage this whole thing is to go earn it. Now mm-hmm. go pour into the tracking. Yep. Go challenge yourself to find another speck of blood or mm-hmm. a track. Yeah. And if you don't know how to track, start practicing tracking out of the hunting season. Mm-hmm. Most game could probably be recovered if people knew how to follow a track. Right. Right now when the snow is in the high country, start on snow. Mm-hmm. Start tracking lions, rabbits, bear, you know, anything in the winter, not mm-hmm. bears, but anything. Start yeah. seeing how animals move and start learning what's the stride length, mm-hmm. what's its tendency. Yeah. Just being a hunter doesn't mean you know how to shoot a gun or a bow or anything right. at an animal and then it dies. Yeah. That's not hunting at all. No. It's all the other stuff that encompasses it. It starts with ethics. Yeah. And I think we have a huge gap loss in ethics. People are way more willing to wound an animal for their own glory mm-hmm. than they have respect for that animal. And I think we got to pass that down to the people we hunt with. And I certainly, like, I, I'm not going to communicate with people that don't have those same ethics. Right. I can't tell them what to do, but if they have to kill a six by six and it costs them three wounded bulls, dude, what you, you got, what are you even doing? Right. Like, it's, this is a joke. Well, it even goes back to, like, the the law for hunting bear here is you just have to take the fur, right? Yeah. That's the because law, but that's know, not an ethical hunting whatever strategy. Whatever senator hunted here, I may be wrong, <laughs> yeah. but I think some senator came here and hunted and didn't want the bear meat, so they made it a law that you don't. Mm. And I don't think in Alaska that's true. No. Right? It should be. Because I salvaged all the bears I've taken in Alaska, n- not even looking at the reds, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Right. I don't... Trickables into another thing, challenges, I would love to you know, self bow hunt a brown bear. Mm-hmm. But what was, what's stopping me? Not fear mm-hmm. that I can't use that meat. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to go up and be five yards from a brown bear with a homemade bow and mm-hmm. take it primitively. That would be like the coolest, most man to man, man versus animal. I have right. a, a picture on my wall. My dad gave me of this Indian with his self bow drawn down and it says one, one winner or two losers mm-hmm. in this grizzly bear standing up. You know, it's like <laughs> in, in my heart. Right. I'm like, that would be fun. Cause he could take me out and oh, I could yeah. take him out. And right. You know, some of the great recurve guys that I followed, um, you know, Bart Schuyler and, and these guys that went to Alaska and hunted Kodiaks with recurves, Gosh. you know, 
I can't use that meat. It's like most everyone I ask say, it's just so loaded with worms mm. and nasty. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to go take this animal right. and not use the meat. Oh, yeah. you, you don't have to. Then I'm not going to. Then right. my ego can take a back seat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get close to a grizzly bear or mm-hmm. whatever and just count coup on it. Right. Touch pull, it with a stick. Pull back. Yeah. Pull back and go, perfect. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> Oh, that's what I'm going to have to do Mm -hmm. because right now until I figure out how I can find a bear that isn't on a run that's getting worms and Mm -hmm. the meat could be edible. And I've heard that some people say it can be found in the right areas. Right. I'm not taking an animal and not leaving using the meat. Right. Yeah. Not that's one thing I'm not going to get to hunt currently until I figure that that equation out. And I hope that starts to come more and more into play as hunters like you and others that I'm having on the podcast start to explain the difference between ethics and what the law is. Ethics are far surpassing what our law currently is, especially in our state. Yeah, it's a moral code. Yeah. Let's be real. It's a moral code how you treat other people. Yeah. There's no laws that say you have to say hi to people, but why wouldn't you make eye contact contact and say hi and be a right. good human? Right. Stop for somebody in the road. Oh, it's a law. Mm-hmm. Then you should just do that. Yeah. Right? So it's the same in the woods. Mm-hmm. There's these ethics that just go on, and I think there's a big gap in them right now. Well, and, and you feel it. Like You should feel you, it. I hope you do. You feel it, and you shouldn't let others try to make it feel better either. Because I, I think we're so guilty of like, let other people tell us you're doing a good job or you're doing okay when you make a mistake. Instead, it's okay to embrace, I made this mistake. This is on me. Ownership. And that's part of hunting. Yeah. That's the whole reason you're out there. You're yeah. taking responsibility for the food that you eat. It's and the greatest so you, thing, isn't it? And Yeah. And if you screw up, that's also on you. That's your responsibility. You screwed up. Um, and it's okay. It, it's, it's not okay because you screwed up, but that's what you have to live with now. That's a part of it. Yep. Rather than not understanding at all where your food comes from or how it was taken yep. or the ethics that are probably non-existent in that world. How that food gets to the store. You didn't yeah. see any of the ethics. Nothing. You have none of the guilt mm-hmm. and you don't know how that animal was lived its life. Yet right. You're happy to eat it to yeah. sustain yours. Yeah. But yet you'll say hunting's bad. Right. Come on, folks. I'm not like a hunter. I'm not a killer. Mm-hmm. Although when it's time to go, I can get stuff done. Yep. But I'm I'm more of like, I really only want to take what I need. And right. like if we harvested an elk between me and my wife or even uh, mm-hmm. the kid, uh, young man who lives with me, mm-hmm. then I like look at how much we have. And I'm like, okay, we're only taking one more deer. If right. we pick up roadkill. Tags done. go, tags are done. We yeah. don't keep punching tags. And mm-hmm. people keep telling me, oh, I tagged out. I'm like, how do you need three elk and five deer and two antelope? <laughs> right. Bro, this is not okay. Who gives a crap? Who, Who gives a crap if you tag out? Yeah, don't shoot it. Take right. a picture of it. Like, yep. how do you need to keep whacking stuff? Right. Like, yeah, I, there's only I a don't few get scenarios I can see where someone can shoot that much and it's if they're providing for a lot of people who really need the meat. But most of the time Correct. I'm with you. That meat sits in a freezer for five years and while they're eating while they're eating beef burgers on the side and then five years later they go, Oh, this meat's bad and they throw it out. Let's and be real. Hard. Let's be real. I mean I've had my coolers go off on me. I've lost stuff. I'm not totally be- not better than anyone. Hundred percent but I do a adapt to my mistakes. Right. And I've been guilty of having too much in the freezer Mm -hmm. and then a freezer going out and being like, what was I going to do with that extra animal or whatever? And like, Mm -hmm. you don't, I mean, we, we game all the time and I don't have to whack stuff. Every tag does not need to be filled. Right. I love going on all the hunts. Mm -hmm. This hunt that we just went on, my brother and his friend, 
didn't, I don't need to shoot that bear. I want to pack it. I want to spot it. Right. I want to watch people suffer when we hike it out. <laughs> That's the fun, man. Yeah. I want to walk barefoot in the Creek. Right. I want to sit out in the blizzard. Mm-hmm. I don't need to put my tag on it to feel right. like I, I go home and feel like a hero. Right. Right. I got to participate as the hero. Right. right. And uh, anyway, I think, I hope people will start to evolve towards that as mm-hmm. a general. I think there's a lot of new hunters in the game. And when you look at the social media and stuff, the so-called best hunters have matching camo and they shoot a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of the new hunters think is cool. And they have all the technology. Mm-hmm. I'm like, take away, start taking away technology. If you're so good at hunting, I think get down to good. a homemade weapon, yeah. a homemade gun, uh, get close. Right. And if you just want to use a 30, 30, mm-hmm. then shoot a deer at 50 yards. Right. Then you're a pretty dang good hunter. And, right, right. You know, track a line with a 30, 30 yep. in the middle of winter. You know, nothing against running dogs, but like that's a different challenge. Yeah, you know, I haven't pulled, I haven't pulled it off yet with a bow or a short range weapon. So, Mm -hmm. anyway, there's just so many challenges, and I think you know, we as a culture just get so stuck in just wanting that constant gratification and success. And I'm guilty as everybody, and I got to always check myself and be like, what's really the best scenario here? Right. What's the best model to be teaching others? Because others are paying attention to us. Totally. So as long as we're passing down good vibes and good you know, role model stuff mm-hmm. and just enjoying the outdoors and like cleaning up. Mm-hmm. I just want to touch on that. I, those pack goats carry out more trash than they carry out meat. Right. I go to these sheep herder camps mm-hmm. and they just leave batteries and junk everywhere. I just cleaned out another whole sheep camp. I do it all fall in 48. These guys just leave. They use the sheep, eat all the elk feed and all mm-hmm. this. And then I got to go and clean up all it. their trash, like two trash bags. I put a trash bag in each of my goat panniers because mm-hmm. I generally on day hikes will end up filling those up. And then I just leave them on the trail for the horse mm-hmm. uh, guys to pick up because right. sometimes I got to pack all my camp out and I right, can't right. pack out. So what's all up with that? Like, I think we as outdoorsmen always, every day, it's our job to make every trail, every trailhead, every ridge top with sardine cans and who's ever drinking Mountain Dew up there? Like, really? <laughs> you carried a Mountain Dew all the way in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. I find that. I'm just like, who the heck? They must People have been riding a beer horse. beer, too. Beer. And then they just throw the can over. Yeah. I, I would feel bad even just leaving this here without putting it in a recycling right. bin. Like, right. that would bother me all day. Right. So how do you just throw one over your shoulder in the middle of the woods and think that no one's going to have to pick up after yeah. you? No, I anyway, I, I have no clue. Last year, I uh, was hiking up a mountain. I had just finished my hunt. I was completely spent, uh, and I was hiking up the last little ridge to get to where my vehicle was. And at the bottom, I found a keg, <laughs> a half, half full keg. And I knew what happened. Kids yeah. were partying up at the top. They rolled their keg down to the bottom of the ravine. And here I am at the bottom of the ravine oh, no. going, oh, you've got to be ki-. and dead. Completely <laughs> yes. spent. I was already at the point of cramping where I had my electrolytes in my pack going, should I touch these? Should I not touch it? Like even before I was bringing the keg up. And yeah, sure enough. You I, got it. I got that keg and I was pulling it all the way up, dragging it up the hill, trying to see if I could empty it somehow. Oh, good. It was so full, but there, I couldn't figure out how. Uh, and finally got that thing up to the truck. And to me... I was like, my workout's done. Like that yeah. that exceeded what I could have done, you know, if yeah. I was just walking up this hill. Totally. But still, it, it, it's, it, it, it is mesmerizing that that can be the culture of people just 
there's so much land. Just yeah. leave your track. It'll it'll go away at some point. Someone else will pick up after me. I think just that whole. I think you're right about that. That's this, what it is. I mean, I know it happened with our parents' generation where you just threw your trash out the window mm-hmm. while you're driving. Yeah. Well, whatever people saw of that generation mm-hmm. and that freedom to just, oh, somebody else will handle it. Mm-hmm. It got taken into the woods. Mm-hmm. The woods is like more sacred than any property yeah. I've ever been on because it's all of ours and we all get to share it. And no and one's going to. No, hopefully, if you're in a secluded area, people aren't picking up after you, except for you. <laughs> no, I mean, I even have gotten to the point where I'm not great at this yet, but like I take some of that middle fork stuff where you can't leave all those fire pits and mm-hmm. you got to use fire pans. Yep. I'm like, I don't want anyone to even know that I even came through. Right. Here. So sometimes I'm like so cognizant of my foot tracks. You got a pine branch, you're sweeping the tracks. Well, I found a fire, a couple <laughs> fire pits the other day. There was just too many in the mm-hmm. area. And I was like putting pine boughs and yeah. swiping them out. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you don't want to roll into an area and just see this humanity all the time. Yeah. You came there to maybe one fire pit and mm-hmm. keep everything clean and then don't burn all your trash in there and leave it in there. Right. Pull it out. Yep. So it's just an empty fire pit ready for a new fire and a yeah. new person to experience that area right? and let the person who is who who maybe is brand new to this who is walking into a secluded area let them believe that they're the only people who've been here for a Isn't long time. Isn't that cool? Yeah. We were on so many of these hunts in the spring. Uh, why I really like them is I really feel like I pioneered these zones. Mm-hmm. Like I know how to get into zones mm-hmm. and do loops that I never see any tracks other than right. elk, deer, wolves, mm-hmm. whatever. And that is like of all of it is just like you get that little mountain man feeling mm-hmm. you know whatever weapon you're carrying this isn't a weapon thing sometimes i'm with a rifle muzzle loader or the bow or mm-hmm. whatever and i'm just like wow like <laughs> i'm like nobody's gonna be in here like, right this is like my woods yes so when people, this is my property yeah like i go back to my house and that's where i live or right. reside but yeah. my home mm-hmm. is every piece of public land mm-hmm. in on the world that I can go roll on. Right. You know, like whether it's Alaska to Canada to Arizona in January, like mm-hmm. when I'm on those public lands, I'm like, wow, this is the coolest place I've ever been. That's awesome. And man, if we, if that isn't valued, what mm-hmm. is a value? Right. Besides our health. Right. Right. And everyone, well, your version of health isn't what mine is. <laughs> True. We all have our version of health, mm-hmm. but like, isn't it cool that you can like kind of control that to some degree? Yeah. Whether I decide to drink beer all day today or coconut water and Mm -hmm. amino acids and Mm -hmm. hit weights and like take care of myself and joint formulas and things for my aging body. Well, and there's no better place than the wilderness on public land where you can travel (laughs) wherever you want to show what kind of shape you're in, what kind of health you're experiencing compared to other people. Totally. Um, even me as a bigger guy, I'm always shocked when <laughs> I hike up these mountains and these skinny guys come out of Wisconsin or wherever and they're, they're suffering at mile one. Uh, and we still have seven to go before we even start hunting. Don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> right. Back yeah. to what I learned in kindergarten, right? Right. Right. You know, like it doesn't matter. Just, it's mostly up here and right. then it's, it goes outward from there. Right. Like, you know. So you spotted a Idaho Wolverine for the first time. Yep. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Cause I have a, one of my stories that it's a ridiculous, there should have never been a Wolverine where I spotted a Wolverine oh, because wow. most of the time when I hear about people spotting Wolverines, it's at super, super high elevation. Yeah. Um, it's, and you know, it's like, 
you were the only person up there. Yeah. Nobody else is around. They're awesome. And I spotted one in a weird, weird area. Um, but I'll let you, I'll let you tell. I don't know if I have the quite the, the, is it any sort of big story? The, the part of the story that's cool is just, it's, it's, attitude mm-hmm. you can just see it on them. oh yeah that's what it is uh-huh. it didn't matter what context you saw it, but it was like it knew i was around mm-hmm. and it was like not happy that there was something else in its zone <laughs> right. it kind of rolled in and had must have smelled me or cut my track earlier mm-hmm. but it was like kind of doing the like tasmanian devil oh yeah and it looked like it was like posturing <laughs> and i just saw it and i was like oh dude he's got me a little psyched out <laughs> right. and i was with my bow yeah. and i'm on the ground and i'm like <laughs> all right i'm like i don't want him to feel you know in my head yeah. i'm like i don't want him to sense fear right so i'm like don't start like backing up right. and like getting protective uh-huh. like you got to go at this yep. so i'm like okay arrow on the string mm-hmm. let's be ready yep i know you can't hunt wolverines but i'm like if he charges me i'm gonna <laughs> what do you have you have to i'm gonna do something right. and it's not run yeah so the next thing is i'm gonna stick it yep you know i so mine it, the very similar feeling um I thought he was going to send me into a tree because I, I just was like, oh, my God. It, it took me a while. I didn't think Wolverine at all. What happened was is I was hearing uh, – I was uh, archery hunting for elk, and I saw this bull across the canyon. And I was hiking down into the canyon to try to see if I could get him to come down to the trees where I was at. And as I'm hiking down, you know how sometimes – even when you're hiking and you're making noise, those bulls will start running in thinking oh, yeah. that it's another bull. For sure. So I was hiking down, not even calling yet. And all of a sudden, I start hearing something coming up to me, crunching trees, running up to me. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm positioning myself, getting ready. <laughs> um, I, I didn't draw back. That was the only thing I didn't do. But I thought as soon as it comes through this clearing, because that's where I could hear it coming. You had enough time. I had enough time. I was going to be able to make the shot. There was also this patch of trees that I knew I'd be able to draw back. And I hear the noise, but I don't see any elk. And I'm looking right up. I'm looking above where where it it. would be, even though those things are huge. Uh, You know, I was thinking they were like badger size. Yeah. Bigger than that. And he was running up the canyon towards me, um, up the side of the mountain, and I still didn't see it. I could just hear the crunching getting louder and louder and closer and closer. And he popped behind a tree and was looking at me at 20 yards. Oh, and man. I I lost my shit. <gasps> like, I, I was looking for a tree. Like, the fear crept in immediately. <laughs> it and over. it took me even a little bit to figure out that it was a wolverine. At first, I thought it's a badger, which yeah. to me is just as intimidating. Um but it definitely wasn't as intimidating as that Wolverine. Oh my uh, gosh. But yeah, he ended up, he snarled a little bit and he did up like a false charge and then he turned and ran up the mountain. But it was in a weird area because it was only at like 8,000 feet um, when most of the time I hear about them way higher than yeah, that. Yeah, you see, well, you can see better when you're above tree line, obviously. Right, so yeah. To have one come running in on you. No, no calling, nothing. No. It was just like our trails were just... Oh, it was straight. Met. He didn't just hear you no, and come in. Oh. No, I mean maybe he heard and he was he running was up for it some was reason. Something. Yeah, yeah, I have no clue. Hmm. Uh, but it was a it's it a different a crazy experience. experience. That's the only it? one I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's weird when you see something that you've never seen before. Yeah, you're usually prepared for things that might be dangerous. Uh, you're prepared for moose. You're prepared yeah. for you know mountain lion or wolves as much as you can be. That's what you're expecting to see that might yeah. be dangerous. 
Uh, and honestly, the only thing I'm really uh, actually afraid of, I would say, is moose. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hands um, down, everyone thinks bear hunting. No. I'm like, dude, moose wail on people. Oh, yeah, like for they, no reason. Yeah, and they can run so fast. Oh, and yeah. They're relentless. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had some encounters with moose. I've had them chase me on four-wheelers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, that to me is the scariest the moose animal is definitely, in Idaho. But the wolverine's the surprise animal. When you see it and you just feel it, like... There is an energy to all this, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the unspoken, you know, thing in the woods. The more you're out there, you can sense stuff, right. and there's this intuition and feeling, and I think that's also addicting to me, too. The longer I'm out, mm-hmm. the less communication I have, the more I get in touch with that side of the experience in the woods, mm-hmm. which is really cool. You see that on the Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Like, you all of a sudden actually feel like mm-hmm. that thing is in charge. Yeah. And usually I see bear, and I'm like, ah, I got this. Yeah. I see a moose, and I'm like, I can maneuver it. I can, mm-hmm. I can. But when you saw the Wolverine's attitude, you just feel like that thing is way more pissed than I am oh, right yeah. now. And yeah. he's looking for a fight. Right. Somebody who's just a little crazy. It's a new level. Like, you don't see any fear in them. None. I've experienced that a little bit with wolves, too, where they look at you, and it's, like, a different It's mm. a different feeling when they look at you. Yeah. But, yeah, I would say the same. Like, I haven't had any other animal look at me like that, yeah. where it's like, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to kick my ass. Yeah. Uh, I need to find something to run away. Moose yeah. will just stare at you, and you know, I got to figure out how to maneuver these trees in yeah. case he charges. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's a different a different vibe altogether. Yeah. It's kind of the the saying I used when I used to be afraid of not afraid of, but leery of bears when I first started hunting them in college. Mm-hmm. Um, it was stand and fight or die tonight. Right. That's just the one because I was walking out in the dark. Yeah. And I'm by myself and I'm yeah. with a longbow and I'm like, okay, something comes at me. Mm-hmm. I got a hammer. Yeah. You know, it's like it's on. Mm-hmm. So I just saw, say that to myself, <laughs> stand and fight or die tonight. Right. Yeah. And then when I saw the Wolverine, it was really the first time in my life I'm like, this is no joke, dude. I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to dispatch that thing yeah. or it's me. Right. He will get a hold of me and shred me. Right. He just, it was cool. So it was massive respect. And then when he took off, I was like, whoa, like all of a sudden the woods took on a different energy. Oh and yeah. That's where I was like, I'm not the king of this woods. Cause I got a bow and <laughs> right. I'm like, everything's afraid of me. All of a sudden I'm doing the like first time in my life. I'm looking over my shoulder. Like, did he just fake me? And yeah. now he's waiting for me to move and he's coming, yep, yep. you know, cause he's like 30 or 40 pounds of extremely pissed off right, right. animal. Yep. And, uh, anyway, I didn't have a pistol or anything. So I was oh. like, Oh man, I'm really kind of in trouble. And he didn't want nothing to do with me, but it that's, was cool. That's why something that was so, that's been downplayed in like previous seasons of alone. Yeah. Um, you'll see someone kill a Wolverine and, mm-hmm. In, in my mind, I know what that means. I know <laughs> yeah. what that guy had to go through oh, in order yeah. to kill a Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, and every, it kind of just got glossed over as like, yeah, he oh, killed yeah. the Wolverine. And it was a big a big storyline. But to actually do it. it I know. I, I, think, I couldn't do it. I think that. I, I mean, I think I could if I absolutely had to. But I wouldn't want to risk it. Yeah. In the night, too. In you the know, night. Like, with, a, with a hatchet. <laughs> with whatever you have. Yeah. Whatever. Even if you trapped that, one. In my mind, him killing that thing and not being injured is luck. Yeah. Well, he also <laughs> lost half of his moose, moose yes. fat. And that yep. those things were tormenting him. Oh, and yeah. And I guess with, you Enough know, any anger. of these. Yeah. It, you know, and just irritation, if <laughs> you will, and just frustration because you know your life source mm-hmm. is that fat, um, more so even than the protein. And that thing's just 
taking your life force and you're going to get shipped home when you lose weight. Right. And he just said, you know, stand and fight or die tonight. This thing comes in tonight. Why not a hatchet? Why not a bow? But yeah, dude, that is an insane harvest. Oh, if you can crazy. get a Wolverine with hand tools. Oh, crazy. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything more challenging. No. As soon as you think you're a good hunter, go track a Wolverine <laughs> or mountain lion and use something close quarters. Gosh, you know, that's so crazy. I remember the first time and luckily it happened at a, at a younger age for me, because I think everyone, when they uh, first start hiking, especially in the dark, um, there's that fear that can creep in that you oh, have yeah. to, you have to get, you have to get it away, get it away, get away in order to keep going or you embrace it and you just go, I'm living in this and you keep going. Yeah. But the first time I experienced, it, it's kind of an embarrassing story. I was, I think 15, 16. I just drove up to a hiking trail by myself. I, I think it was out like Gulch is where I first was starting out. Yeah. Um, and I just, I got out of the car. It was probably four or four thirty in the morning. And I had a plan of where I wanted to get to by daylight. And I think I hiked maybe a quarter of a mile on the trail. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was hearing this all around me. And I was trying oh. to like pinpoint where it was. I had a flashlight that now I'm shining all over the place, trying to see what's going on. And it scared me so bad, I ran back to my car and waited till sunrise. I was really weary walking around when I came back. And all of a sudden, I see all of these squirrels are dropping pine cones. Oh, and so man. I got scared, two hours lost from hunting, yeah. scared from a bunch of squirrels. Yep. And so that runs in my mind every time now when I'm hiking. Are you going to run away because there's squirrels dropping pine cones? Yeah, no, Even if there is something dangerous now, I'm... I'm going, it's, it's squirrels. It's yeah, gotta be squirrels. It's gotta be squirrels That's or something like that. Mind. Yeah. That's an awesome one. <laughs> and I've heard of that with elk calling too. Mm -hmm. people set up and calling and gotta hear it down there. And mm -hmm. they sneak in finally. And they're like, I don't know where it went. Mm -hmm. And then multiple times hunts later, they figure out it's squirrels or yeah. when they're chasing each other around, it sounds like something oh, yeah. running around. Deer Especially running when they're around. close. You think yeah. it's like something just a little farther away. Yeah. That's, oh. that's takes a lot of hours and that, that moving at night, is a real concern, like especially in those early high school years, mm -hmm. especially by yourself. Right. It seems like a lot of people need that companionship and that mm -hmm. strength in numbers. But when you start going out on your own, again, <laughs> challenge to yourself, go out on your mm -hmm. own, limit your gear a little bit. Yep. You know, lean into the sharp point mm -hmm. a little bit more, as one of my friends always says, and that's always just feels good. You know, you're like, Oh, I'm just not that comfortable with this. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> I got to swim across this river to get there. And it's yep. like, I'm going to risk getting really cold mm -hmm. and waiting this thing, you know, with no shoes on, but I need, I need to get up there and this is stopping me. I'm not going to go back or right, right. say, Oh, it was too cold. It was too dangerous. No, you can do it. Right. Just figure it out. You yep. know, like, so there's all those cool challenges from, you know, living a wildlife in the woods that you have to kind of adapt to and, and get past that uncomfortable a little bit. And there are all these lessons that are fun to learn. Right. And you can't read a book and you can't watch alone and, mm -hmm. you know, experience what those people are doing. I think a lot of people probably have never even, you know, one of the big things is like, I don't think most people have gone 24 hours without food. Mm -hmm. You can't give any of these contestants in the last nine seasons now any shit, period. Because mm -hmm. if you haven't fasted one day, shut up. Mm-hmm. Every person in there fasts right. and, and handles it and deals with hardship. If you haven't fasted 24 hours, you cannot talk. Mm -hmm. Our population, a lot of people die without having never missed a bite of food. Right. I'm not saying everybody, there's people starving out there. Sure. But I think to appreciate that, you have to understand what hunger is right. and how 
your body functions when you haven't eaten. Well, and and after the decision-making process. Yeah. After three days, yeah. yeah. What happens to your cognitive abilities at yeah. that point? So these contestants, you know, that get in a position where they can fast and endure, it doesn't matter. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. So not to take anything away from the person who's sitting there trying to ride it out. Go do it yourself. Right. Before you start casting judgment, oh, yeah. go, give, go give me a day without food. Mm-hmm. You know, add water, add electrolytes if you need to. Mm-hmm. One of the things I believe in, but I don't get it, man. And, and people are, it sounds like, you know, don't understand a lot of this. There's no food. You know, you have to make your own food. Right. You're not eating generally 500 calories even a day. Gosh. So, so tell me how many people have gone on a month of 500 mm-hmm. calories a day. Right. Not Average many. weight loss is a pound a day for most contestants. Jeez. Even the ones that are doing well, even mm-hmm. the ones that shot a moose, they're still mm-hmm. losing weight. Mm-hmm. You can't consume enough food. You can't, your body, the 40% of the calories and protein are being used to digest protein. Right. So you're almost losing half of that value. So how do you eat enough? And it's mm-hmm. just one thing. Try eating just moose meat for weeks on end. Gosh. So, I mean, the challenge is like all these things are like, Oh, I'm going to go through this. Like how start. So a big part of, you know, where I'm going with this is like in preparation for even, you know, attempting something like this or applying for something like this, I was not okay with not eating. Right. I was a 235 pound world champion power lifter. Right. I did not miss a meal for six years. Right. So I know how crazy it is to be hunting be like, Oh, it's been two hours. I got to eat right. three balance bars and yeah. you know, all this crap fruit, mm-hmm. I'm not hiking another step because mm-hmm. I'm in a calorie deficit. Right. To be that strong as I was at one point, I had to eat like that. Mm-hmm. And it was a crutch of my life. Mm. So to kick that habit and go to like, okay, I'm going to make it 48 hours without food and start practicing and mm-hmm. see how I do. Holy cow, you go through some demons. Gosh. Like, so that's, a, that's when I throw out there to our population who has food at every fingertip and able to eat whatever they want, you know, play around with just the nutritional side of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't even have to go in the woods. Yeah, just, totally. Just go, don't Hey, eat, don't eat 24 don't, don't hours, eat 24 hours, mm-hmm. go 24 hours at 24 hours in one minute, have what you want. Right. Just start with that. Tell yeah. me how you do. <laughs> Tell me how your brain works. Right. So when people are like, Oh, that was dumb. Oh, that was, <laughs> how would you do that? They hadn't eaten for like 14 days. Yeah. yeah. Tell me how great your brain works. You oh, haven't yeah. had a carb in now weeks. Right. It's a cool challenge. Right. So that's a, a lot that's of a that, great points. Take like, that home. You can, you can take that. You can take just a tiny, tiny fraction of what these guys are going through guys and girls Yeah. and, and see how you feel after just a tiny fraction of, of an example of what they're going through. Yes. So start with that and then just start building off of, I mean, I could put together a, a list of challenges you can do to kind of be out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. with nutrition and woodsmanship and, and things that maybe happened on the show or applying for the show. And right. then just start with that and yeah. then start to watch the show with a new light. Right. The other thing I want to throw in there is there's no way, and I don't see how the females don't dominate this. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Like I, <laughs> I lose weight. I lose weight just doing anything. Mm-hmm. The gals are designed to survive. That's mm-hmm. why they're still humans on the planet. Mm-hmm. And they are smart and, and <laughs> talented. I don't see how a female hasn't won a season right, right. yet. Mm-hmm. And they're fully capable. Obviously, right. there's all these hardships that people don't understand mm-hmm. that go on out there, whether you lose too much weight or there's frostbite or you make a, a bad judgment call. Right. That's a big part of it. And then there's luck. But 
I truly believe the female species as a whole is far better fit for survival. Mm. You know, I think they're damn, damn tough and mm-hmm. tougher in a lot of ways. Having seen my, you know, ch- children be born, right. You know, I'm gone through unmedicated childbirth or mm-hmm. no drugs. Mm-hmm. You win. She's yeah, tougher than done. me. Don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> right. not do, wouldn't want to do that to see how tough I am. Oh yeah. And then the body, their body just happens to hold body fat hormonally mm-hmm. better. Yep. They're just designed to survive, mm. you know? So, that's just my two cents on that is like, it just amazes me that, you know, the females are just, just we're going to all be gone. Well, you know, like on the Donner party, yeah. 26 <laughs> dudes died before the first female died. Right. Like yeah, guys yeah. just overwork right. and I'm one of them. Like, I'm going to go chop down all these trees. I'm going to go trap. I'm going to go fishing. Yep. I'm going to go try and sneak and hunt before mm-hmm. dark. Mm-hmm. And instead of female minds, like I'm going to build a nice shelter. Right. It's going to be really warm. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit down. I don't even need anything to eat for probably a week because, you know, my metabolism's going nice and slow and I'm calm and <laughs> I'm going to start doing some projects around the house to get it comfy. <laughs> that is way better survival than, than Joe Hunter over here yeah, who's yeah. like, oh, shoot, I probably lost 10 pounds in the last two days checking, <laughs> putting out like 50 traps right, and running right, all right. over, having fun, you know, yep. throwing rocks at shit. Right, right. So, um, you that's know, awesome. It'll be fun to see what the, uh, the outcomes always are. Yeah. How everyone did. I don't know how everyone really did. Right. And I didn't see anyone's journey. So yep. are you excited to watch it? Yeah, all? I'm, I'm really excited to see what else I did that I can't remember. Right. Because it was conscious and unconscious a lot of it Mm -hmm. a lot of it you're just in the moment so Mm -hmm. the camera's running and you don't even remember Mm -hmm. and then i'm really excited to see all my friends and people that i met and really great human beings see how they handled their situations because we all have a different story and a different round and i didn't get to like i didn't really want to hear about anybody's stuff Mm -hmm. because i want to watch it right i want to see you don't want to be spoiled either. i don't either so i have no i mean i don't want to hear anything i just want to sit down and Mm -hmm. be like Whoa, like how cool, because I want to see everyone in their their true colors, ups and downs. Right. You know, and we all had them. So they don't, they give you no indicators of anything. No, even when you're, you're in the dark watching it from the, from the beginning as well, except for what you experienced. Yeah. And you just have tidbits of what went down from somebody maybe, you know, just leaking. There's, there's always little leaks amongst the people who are in it and somebody else saw or heard Mm -hmm. something, but the whole thing is amazingly well done. Mm-hmm. It's top notch, world class. They care about you. Mm-hmm. People are really, really good too, from production to mm-hmm. everyone, you know, helping you get prepared and the survival experts and all that. Right. You really feel like there's a nice blanket mm-hmm. for if something goes wrong, you know, and that's what's cool about it is like, it's not just me, which I still want to go out again on my own and just like do my own Idaho, yeah, like yeah. 30 day mm-hmm. challenge, me and the goats. Do you want some camera equipment? Cause I'll totally give it yeah, to you. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, show me how to use some <laughs> now stuff. Now you know how to well, use I, all I got a GoPro right? and I use that a lot. Yep. Like yep. I just videoed our last hunt, but awesome. I use my phone and the GoPro a lot mm-hmm. and I'm learning how to use like iMovie. So my editing's like oh, just send le- it, send it to us. Okay. Less than, <laughs> less than first class, but I'm again, leaning into the sharp point. Yeah. One of my other buddies sayings, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with technology. I don't gravitate towards it. So I'm going to make myself at least do some, right. You know, and that was a big part of the show is when we were learning to 
use the stuff, I'm like, what's a, what's a clap thing? The clap yep. sync. And right. I'm like, Oh dude, now I'm like really nervous. Cause like <laughs> they're counting on me to like get all this. Like right. you have this one moment go down yep. and you don't get any of it on video. It doesn't oh, exist. Yeah. It, they're not gonna be like, so bleep. So-and-so <laughs> really caught a 28 inch fish and went for two weeks off it, but he forgot to turn the camera on, you know, you're like, but they're no. such an idiot that they couldn't remember to hit record. <laughs> yeah. So there's funny things like that. And, yep. and you know, like, when we drop you off, they're going to turn the camera on for you. Mm -hmm. Do not touch the camera because right. you're going to be so blown out. Mm -hmm. You're going to bump the camera and turn it off. And we're going to miss that initial drop. Right. Like, don't touch the camera. I'm like, I was more worried about making sure the red light was flashing. Than, right. You know, where I was or anything. Just like, okay, make sure that's recording. Do they take you through that, all of that prep with your camera gear beforehand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really you're working teach with, you how to use like, it? I assume people like yourself mm -hmm. that are beyond technical mm -hmm. and understand it and really good at explaining it and right. dumbing it down to those of us who just got smartphones, mm -hmm. you know, like, right. That was a huge thing. Like having to do all the videos to apply. Yeah. I had to learn how to video on a smartphone and make it look like I could kind of show what I was doing. Right. Some of us didn't ever do that. You know, we don't walk around videoing ourselves, do everything. Yep. So you're like, Oh, this is, this is super awkward. Like I got to do this <laughs> trapping sequence and I don't really know how to even get the camera angles. Right. And right. Then you watch it and you're like, I just spent the whole afternoon that this just doesn't even look right. You can't even see where the snare wire is, you know, Oh, here it's in this, this is why you do this. And I checked the sign and yep. you got like half your body on the thing. Right. And you're like, this is waste of a day. <laughs> anyway, uh, kind of jump topics there, but no, I love the two greatest things that I learned from my experience on the show this fall was that I can contributed almost zero trash. Mm. I'll think about that one. Yeah. Think about how much trash we as people put in and I do it way more now mm -hmm. into my dumpster or into my trash can. Mm -hmm. I would sit there some days and be like, I had another trash free day. Right. And I didn't pick up any trash in these woods except for two or three things that you'll see mm -hmm. or maybe not see, but almost trashless, pristine woods. Wow. Like walking on like uncharted land. Right. Like, I mean, literally I could hear Iron Maiden playing. I mean, mm -hmm. I love Iron Maiden. While I was walking <laughs> these tundra fields, I was like tears in my eyes. Uh -huh. I was so happy to be eating wild blueberries mm -hmm. and foraging. But, mm -hmm. and to also know that every bite of food that I provided, I was directly accountable for. Mm -hmm. I had for that period of time, hand to mouth, I took what I took, I borrowed what I borrowed, I said thanks for what loaned itself to me, and mm -hmm. for that time period, I was one of the few people on the planet right now that got to live with no trash and all the food processed by myself. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? Where, when does you, that ever happen? No, it doesn't. Yeah. And you have to go to these extremes to go do that now. Right. How cool is that though? That's oh, like the so badge cool. I take from the whole thing, is like when I think about it, because I was out glassing so much the other day, mm -hmm. I'm like, Wow, man, I got to go do that again. Yeah, that's like, awesome. I got to live like almost carbon neutral. Right. You know, come God, here on my grease truck. Understand. And I'm so proud. Like my truck's just like finally running again. <laughs> yep. I made it on no gas. Wow. And, and then you have you a know, grease truck. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's cool. My buddy Clay, that one uh, last season, yep. uh, he helped me put a grease truck in my Dodge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's taught me so much cause I know nothing about cars, right? but the tranny just went last week. It's an old gotcha. 92, yeah. uh, three D three fifty, And, and I got it back and I'm like, Oh, there's my funds for Alaska for this summer. <laughs> but I'm like, I'd still bigger picture. Yeah. My entertainment going to hunt caribou mm -hmm. or putting a tranny in my truck so I can run on grease. 
I want the grease truck. That's awesome. Because I feel like I'm at least going against the grain, making less of an impact. Right. You know? My pack animals eat weeds. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to just constantly shift those angles so I don't get caught in the rut of, you know, what most of society's doing. When I love that you're sustainability conscious because conscious, I'm not perfect. So right. I don't know how to, we farm. all have to be I don't conscious. know how to garden. I don't, mm-hmm. I recycle, but I don't know how to like use I mean, it could be a lot better because the, a guy I had on the podcast, uh, who, uh, was plant-based more of a vegan diet. Yeah. The reason that he was that way is because it was all about sustainability for him. And it was partly him being educated that the most sustainable life you can live has to do with eating plants only. And as he's become more and more educated, and then I started taking him on, oh, yeah. uh, we took him on two hunts for hunt of, or one hunt for hunt of a lifetime. Are you familiar with I've that? I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, I took him on that and he was standing over this elk that just massive amount of meat. He's never seen an elk, you know, dead this close. And he was like, how are we getting this out? And I was like, by foot, like everyone's putting it on their back and we're walking it out. And he was like, and then you're putting it on, you know, down the road, you're putting it on this Polaris. Then you're driving it to a truck and the truck's driving it home. And that's, that's it. Like he was thinking all about the sustainability. Gotcha. Yeah. He's like, that's, that's, that's the only gas. And he's like, do you know how much gas it would take to harvest the food? How much CO2 emissions would happen from harvesting the food uh, on a massive scale that I would have to eat calorically to match this elk? And I was like, yeah, a hundred percent. Awesome that he gets that because I think that's part of the trick to the, to seeing the equation Mm -hmm. is that CO2, that, that, that the plant material doesn't have that amino acid profile mm-hmm. that a steak does. Mm-hmm. And I lived off of basically, you know, the minimum amount of protein you could. Mm-hmm. And I was doing just fine. Mm-hmm. But we can live off so little. But you can't just live off of handfuls of daisies, mm-hmm. um, whatever, uh, lamb's quarter. Mm-hmm. People may try, but mm-hmm. you're not thriving. Right. You know, and good for him for noticing that the ability to harvest a big animal and say, thank you. Yeah. And it's hard to do. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to do. Maybe not hard for everyone to see that animal's life pass, but also to be grateful for it and use it all mm-hmm. and how much it sustains us. Right. And going back to your perspective too, of when you harvest an animal, you may not like, you may not like that you had to do it. Um, I think that's actually an, a, an important emotion that a lot of hunters, especially when they've grown up doing it, yeah. have become numb to. And I think it's important to embrace that again. It's easier to be numb. So yeah. I'm being brutally honest and mm-hmm. you can critique. I don't even care what sure. thinks anymore. I'm too far past yeah, it. Yeah. I it easily live in a cabin yep. in the Yukon at mm-hmm. this point. Um, I've seen animals get hit perfectly and I've done the damage mm-hmm. and I've watched them expire. And mm-hmm. if you do that enough you're a different human being if you don't feel that. Totally. I, I feel that. Right. I see it. I've seen animals tip over it nine yards from me with a longbow and, mm-hmm. and watch their the breath go out of them. Mm-hmm. And you're, I still can feel it right now. Right. Maybe I'm more sensitive. No, I don't even care I think, what anyone says because it happened. It's real. And yep. if you're numb to that, you're missing out on totally. the reality of it. Mm-hmm. So in life, one of my big things is not what's easy, but what's real. Mm-hmm. Easy is to be numb. Drinking numbs you. 
look at people that drink all the time. They're numb to their reality. It right. doesn't help you. Mm-mm. It's not, this, do it. I don't care, but <laughs> it doesn't help you. Missing out on all the emotion of life and the ups and downs is real. Mm-hmm. And if you embrace that, it's better. It teaches you stuff. You mm-hmm. learn from it. You can help others. But if you're numb that and you're like, oh, I just killed that and it didn't mean anything. It was just a stupid animal. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm better than animals. You know, people sh- shrug that off and you're like, no, dude. That thing was so majestic, so totally. special. And a cow so, to a seven by seven, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. or whatever elk, they're all amazing. They get to live in this wild country. Mm-hmm. So challenge yourself to, next time you pull the trigger. What are you feeling? S- sit there and take a, take a bite of that emotion yep. and chew on it. 100%. If you, if you think that's, you know, that tastes really good and you're really proud of yourself, Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Now keep chewing. Yeah. Tell me if it for a second, you know, looking into that thing's eyes, you don't for a second feel that you might have, you know, stepped into another realm. Though. Right. Whatever that is for you, it's just whatever. So something that I know people are going to want to know about mm-hmm. you. Let's talk about the goats. Oh yeah, the goats are how, awesome. How did how did you end up getting into them? So, and was this uh, at what stage of your hunting? So your we're hunting like a career? decade or more into this, so mm-hmm. I, it wasn't my deal. My buddy who married me and my wife and I, one of mm-hmm. my be- best buddies, Brian Smalls out of Colorado, mm-hmm. just got this, you know, go this elk hunting um, creative idea that we needed goats mm-hmm. to go to these deep parts of Colorado mm-hmm. and live like as wild and free as possible. And, and you know, it's just like, yeah, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. So he bought goats out of Nebraska, put together a whole pack stream Five years, we on and off hunted with his pack string, and it was just the best because you could take real food. Mm-hmm. You can take out a whole animal, a whole elk with five, minimum five goats. So he wow, had five. they can carry that much. Yeah. So it's, I mean, they look big. Like They look like big goats. They are, and I'm there's different breeds. There's a lot out. of different breeds, but like my Toggenberg, like the Swiss goat, he's just huge, mm-hmm. lanky. And then there's smaller goats that are still good, but they're shorter in statue and can mm-hmm. be really rugged. So... It's this freedom to get into the backcountry with your stuff and be able to get meat out without just compressing your back. Mm-hmm. And just like the bear the other night in a hole mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, and then you got to load up 50 pounds of meat each and hike for three hours. Yeah. No, three goats mm-hmm. loaded up and they follow you. Wow. So everyone's like, oh, yeah. Wouldn't they just wander. Why off? wouldn't you just get two llamas? You know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, because you have to grag them on a leash, right? Generally, I don't. And don't want... you have to pack feed for them? Llamas, llamas. I mean, every animal's good, and it's like cars. Mm-hmm. My Dodge versus your whatever. Mm-hmm. It's apples. I have to bring more goats, mm-hmm. but goats can live on almost nothing in my backyard. Mm-hmm. They just eat weeds mostly. Right. right. They don't hardly need to drink water. Wow. I mean, I literally cannot barely get most of them to drink water till day three. Wow. So I put bowls out and everything. They'll lick it and drink a little bit. And then day three in the backcountry, they'll drink like half a gallon. <laughs> right. But they get it all out of their food too mm-hmm. in the forage up there. Mm-hmm. They can eat bark. Mm-hmm. They can eat twigs. I Gosh. go on winter hunts in November and they're like eating snow and eating bark off trees and mm-hmm. not scarring them. Yeah. They do scar some. So I'm not going to be the guy who's like, oh, they don't eat the bark off cottonwoods. No, sure. they do. And they can wreck some, but right. elk do too. Yeah. Um, but most of the time it's pine bark and they mm-hmm. chew on that and sticks. So they're like the, the lowest maintenance mm-hmm. killer pack animal because they're also like dogs. They mm-hmm. befriend you. My Go Jocko and Bert, who I just took, they like want to lay by me at night in camp. 
you know, they can be a little annoying when you break food out. They want it. They're like, I want a bite. I want a bite. Right, so right. you're like, you know, I'm like lightly punching them in the face till they go away. <laughs> yeah. Or you can squirt them with a bottle yeah. or you can highline them. Mm-hmm. But I generally like them to be like, you know, part of the hunting party and right. roam around. Um, they're just great like that. So the biggest drawbacks to them are that they tend to get sick and have weird mm. kind of parasite issues or urinary calculi, their bladders get filled with stones and they block and die. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just lose goats. Mm. So you have to be okay with having a bunch of goats and good goats tipping over. Right. They're not like a dog that you're usually going to have for eight to 10 years. Mm. It's like five years working a goat and then come out and it's dead the next day. Mm. Some of the stuff the vets can't even figure out. Mm. So it's kind of one of those. You have to be okay with being a farmer type Mm -hmm. and you can lose a lot of goats. I've lost a lot of good goats already, but Mm -hmm. in the same sense, I've rescued a lot of good goats. I have some dairies that get way too many little bucks or Mm -hmm. little uh, males and they're taking them to the slaughterhouse and these people don't want them to go to the slaughterhouse, but they can't feed another 20 males. Mm -hmm. They only need a few for breeding. So I'll get a call. I'll come up. I grabbed 12 last year. And they're all, we're going to the butcher the next day. And I have 12 goats wrecking, wrecking trees, <laughs> knocking fence down, yeah. but getting awesome on my property uh-huh. right now and being killer goats. Yep. But, uh, you know, I know that in a couple of years, they'll be behind me on the trail, mm-hmm. you know, pulling out a bull or a bear or right. a deer from the middle of a unit that no one wants to go to in the middle of November. Yeah. You know, and, and they're just awesome like that. So they're low maintenance, but high maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of great qualities. And I think with pack animals, you're, you're just kind of like having kids. You're just invested all year. Right. It's not just during hunting season. I'm working them all winter, mm-hmm. like trying to keep them alive yeah. and fed and shoveled out. Oh, yeah. And then I ran out of food this year. So I got to borrow from my buddy who mm-hmm. runs his horses there. Yeah. And he kept me going. And now I'm out on pasture finally. So yeah. you add a lot of complexity to your life. It's not just the glory of the goats <laughs> on the trail with the bear right. hanging That's his head I'm off. Head. Yeah, like, I can see it I in your get eyes. A goat. I should get a goat in well, my yeah. backyard. And the guy that got the, the bear is like, oh, I'll buy two of these from you. And right. I'm like, you know what they're worth? <laughs> two grand a piece. Right. And that's a deal right? because of the amount of hours I put into this to get them to be this oh, yeah. good, thousand. Mm-hmm. So do the math. That's still like $2 an hour <laughs> from what I did. So people are like, oh, it's a $200 goat. Yeah. That's the goat that you're going to eat, right? you know, down at the farm. <laughs> that's house. the goat that I originally purchased. It is now worth 10 times that. Exactly. Well, switching gears. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about a loan. Yeah. Um, season premieres May 26th, 9 p.m., Pacific Standard Time on the History Channel only. And I have a couple questions geared around that. Now, I don't want any spoilers. So this is purely for me. uh, And I know you're not allowed to anyways, but I don't want spoilers of specific events. I want to watch it and enjoy what you do. And I'm really curious to see how you are different than a lot of the other contestants, as you're probably uh, excited to watch as well. For sure. Um, you know, it's one thing being on the show and then videoing yourself, but you don't get to like really design the ep- these episodes. You mm-hmm. don't at all. Right. So we probably shot three to 5,000 hours. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the math. But you have a lot no idea hours. how they're editing it. No, but I had cameras running all the time, two, mm-hmm. three. I don't know what made it, what didn't. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know what I said some days or what I did. I know that I would do a lot of... Um, different physical things for mm-hmm. my health and my mind. That mm-hmm. was a new approach. I didn't ever see anybody do, but mm-hmm. I, I'm very physical. 
I have my own spiritual stuff mm-hmm. and I'm always working on connection and present being present and stuff like that. So I steal a little bit from Qigong and yoga and mm-hmm. I make it my own and then I do some strongman. And mm-hmm. so there's this new aspect. Yeah. I'm not out there just to sit around and go to go backwards. I'm right. out there to be, I'm a, I take it to the fight. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of person like that. And right. I'm a wolf, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to go look for food. Gotcha. So I'm not, I'm not there to just exist. I mm-hmm. want to thrive. Right. And if I can't find it, I'm going to go figure it out. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of attitude I took into it. That's awesome. And how did you first hear about the show? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we covered this a little bit, but how'd you first hear about it? What made you want to dive in? I mean, I think I just saw an advertisement for it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, <laughs> It was like, that's me. <laughs> it was because in the beginning they had people that just didn't know the woods. No, yeah. And I'm not saying I, there's people that know way more than me. Not uh-huh. saying that, but I, when I saw the first ones, I was like, dude, that's what I do for fun. <laughs> right, right. Like you sure, could critique all the things at first, at first, but yeah. it was like, then as it get better, you know, <laughs> oh, by yeah. the time I'm in on it, like everybody's competent. Oh yeah. So then, the, then it, then you had to play chess. Right. So now it's chess in the beginning. It was like, people who could keep their head together and mm-hmm. just find a little food did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had people out there who did amazing with probably not that much skill, right? Just pure heart and stubborn. And mm-hmm. those characters are awesome. Yep. But now everyone has a pretty good skill set. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're for the season 10, it's going to be even a higher skill set. Mm-hmm. So the location has to be super challenging. Otherwise they don't want people to go all year. Right. You know, it's gotta be a harsh climate to, to make people suffer a little bit. Right. Right. So, uh, props to them for putting together amazing locations, challenging and, mm-hmm. and good people that show a wide s- skill set. Mm-hmm. They want all of us to be like bow hunting enthusiasts right. either. Yeah. It's boring. Totally. You know, but they got one hardcore bow hunter on there and yeah. the bow definitely barked quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised there was enough arrows. Uh, you'll see. <laughs> yeah. um, I, okay. Let's cut for a sec so I can read. I feel like my eyes are getting blurry. What makes the show and like any other? Oh yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> you ready, Kai? What makes the show unlike any other survival show that you've seen? My main statement of the day. Uh, it's real. Real. The real of reality to me. I'm not saying other ones maybe aren't real, but mm-hmm. the fact that you don't have to have a cameraman mm. with you yeah. and you don't know if like that cameraman, is he sleeping in a tent and a sleeping mm-hmm. bag? And did that guy just go over and actually get in the sleeping bag or right. what really happened? I can tell you. Is the highway like right behind the You camera? don't know. And, yeah. and that's okay. I'm not saying you can't learn from that and mm-hmm. it's not real, but I just sense that this had that, you know, you're up shit Creek and you right. got to figure it out. Yeah. And I don't, I, when I, uh, cast it, I said, I only want to do this. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not looking to do more shows. I'm not looking to, I just want a real experience. Right. I want to be challenged. I want to be out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and this is how I'm going to go about it. And you know, it's, it's true. You there, you're on your own until you decide to, mm-hmm. or they pull you in the, 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 when they pull you, it's legit. Right. The, you've gone past your limit. They're saving your life because right. you won't save your own. Gotcha. They're not doing that. There's not politics involved. There's multiple levels, doctors and people looking at your stats to help you make the decision. And once you show that you can't, 
you know, maintain weight and move mm -hmm. forward and all that, then your health, they save you from hurting yourself. They're giving it an honest shot. Mm -hmm. They're out of their comfort zone and props to them. And I have a whole new respect for everybody. Absolutely. And your skill set doesn't always line up with your location. Totally. Realize also that your 10 items don't always match with your, your draw. Do you pick your items yeah. based on the location? No, you just pick them. Really? My items were basically off limits to me X days before. Wow. I had to decide. And then we drew locations and you don't know where you're going. It's mm -hmm. not like you're looking at a map. Mm -hmm. You just picked a name out of a hat, double, you know, yeah. whatever. And it says, I think mine was whatever is like Mossy Creek. Mm -hmm. hey, where's Mossy Creek? Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. There's no Mossy Creek name out there, <laughs> right. but that's how they knew the areas. Yeah, yeah. And then whether I choose this item and I get dropped in this place could yep. be a huge detriment. Some areas had no rabbits and people took snare wire. And oh. if you took snare wire and paracord, you don't need two cordages. Right. And you can trap rabbits okay with paracord if mm -hmm. you know how to make a hair pipe. Mm -hmm. It's a tool that they can't chew through. Right. But snare wires, you can set so many more snares right. and you don't have to make those hair pipes. Right, right. So there's all these gambles and no one plays this chess unless they sit back and hear people explain why I took this versus this. And then this is what the location provided. And I wished I had that. Mm -hmm. You hindsight's 2020 in this one. Totally. So now having been on it and looking at the other episodes, I'm like tough decisions. Right. Right. You know, one of mine, this is kind of a side note is it'd be a cool thing. Cause we can talk about the 10 items I took. Yeah. Was I was going to try and almost not take a knife or a cutting implement. Mm -hmm. No one's ever done that. Right. And I changed my mind at the last second. No one knows that. Gotcha. I was going to just use my broadheads. Oh, okay. My broadheads are Ginsu knives. And we, oh, okay. Gotcha. Blade. Yeah, yeah, you're they're right. They're so sharp. It's freaking insane. Like I couldn't, right. I can never get, they're like professionally sharpened. Mm -hmm. I use. Would you still have an ax and stuff like correct. that? You still gotcha. would need an ax or a saw, but mm -hmm. I was like, I can process an animal with a broadhead totally. and I can cut food with it. So I was almost going to just mm -hmm. do it. And I, I, Last I wussed second, out. Like, so I, I wanted to call that wuss out because <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, how cool would that be? This idiot didn't even bring a knife <laughs> but he's got his broadheads right. you know and yeah. i was like i'll oh, just dedicate one of my broadheads to being a knife yeah but then i'm like dude there's just that doesn't make sense i'm like feel like i'm naked without any form of a knife not to mention the the leatherman i did take or i took a swiss army knife multi-tool because mm -hmm. it had some different tools um had just so many variable things for mm -hmm. cutting wire to just good tools for like injuries and splinters yeah, right. and just, you end up using them for everything. So when they give you the list of things you wait, do they actually give you a list of things you can choose from? Yeah, yeah. Or are you able to go here are my 10 items? No, it's a list, but I mean, you could propose a new item, I mm. think to some degree. Like if you had a Swiss army knife, that was just slightly. It has to be approved. Everything gotcha. has to be approved. Gotcha. They do a really good job. And are you of, bringing it yourself? Yeah, or? but you have to have sent it all in before you left because they don't want you getting there off location mm -hmm. and then having not a tool that, that was, um, whatever fair gotcha so i guess in other seasons people have like sewn clothes mm -hmm. themselves and put double layer you know mm -hmm. they're really good about keeping that all even and stuff right. so you have a, all a pretty similar fair amount and everyone's good about trying to to use the same amount of gear and stuff and not trying to cut corners gotcha and are you allowed to say some of the items that you brought yeah that's all out on the so you website. were definitely a bow guy right oh yeah yeah 
That would, I mean, of my items, I mean, that would be like one of my main ones. Mm -hmm. If I took five items, it'd be one of my Because I was going to say, if you're going to start hunting right when you hit the ground. Yeah. Now, a <laughs> trapper traditionally will do better mm -hmm. at eating and burning less calories than a hunter. But I'm just like so proficient in mm -hmm. my mind and I'm so confident. So right. maybe it's like the old... Uh, the conf my confidence is so high in my bow hunting skills from so many years that I just feel good about it. It's right. not that I'm, you know, it's not that it might be the smartest thing Correct. for anybody. That's where to I was do. going. Yeah. It may not be the smartest thing. And I don't think if I had to make the smartest move, it would be a trapping mm -hmm. wire and fishing kit. Cause yeah. I know I can provide with those, but I'd still take my bow first because right. I love shooting my bow. Mm -hmm. I carry my bow almost all year. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's almost like a friend. Right. And it's like, gives me some comfort yeah. and it's self-defense mm -hmm. and I have range with it. Like yep. I feel really good at shooting the recurve I took. Um, it's the first bow I bought and it just, it just shoots so well. So all those things, bow is one of the main ones. Um, sleeping bag, you got, you got to take that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a gimme. Everyone takes it. The, the list isn't as diverse as it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because people have found out that there's probably 12 items that are really good mm -hmm. and we take 10 of the 12. It's not like 20 items that you're choosing from the 10 to 12 items are pretty obvious. Right. Gotcha. Saw and hatchet or saw and ax mm -hmm. are real common. Mm -hmm. I did not bring a saw. Mm. I brought salt. I, that was my last decision. I oh, I remember salt. seeing that on the list. So they say I'm the first person, but I think Jose and season in Vancouver Island brought salt and mm -hmm. they just didn't bring it up and do these interviews. But right. I think he might've too. And that being more from a physiological standpoint, mm -hmm. just because I practice fasting with and without salt mm -hmm. and I, I have trouble with cramping. Like mm. you can watch my calves if I'm not you know, electrolyte, right? They're just, they're just like Thumping. alive. It looks yeah. like I have demons in me. Right. And then my tricep or my abs will even cramp. Yeah. So to me, that does something to me psychologically. When I feel like my body's not running right, mm -hmm. I feel like I might be doing myself harm. Mm. And then I start to psych myself out a little bit. I didn't want to have that in my go against me. I knew if I just at least took Himalayan salt, which has tons of trace elements, minerals, mm -hmm. like up to 82 other things in it. Mm -hmm. And it also helps hormonally, mm. which those nutrients also help your hormones, which makes you a bigger, stronger version of you. Yep. So I'm like, why would I give up my that physiological advantage. Mm. And, and I didn't, I mean, I, I lost, that was one of my nights of sleep. I lost when mm. I had to put my saw back in my backpack and yeah. I put salt on my pack to gotcha. go in the neck that night. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to need that saw. I'm going to burn so many calories without that thing. I like literally was like almost going to go ask if I could switch. That's funny. And I'm like, no dude, you need to not be cramping. Yeah. You know, you're going to be fasting. Right. And I want to feel good and I want to be able to feel awesome fasting. Well, and cramping can be one of those things that can be debilitating if you can't get through it. Uh, I've been after a long hunt, um, where I sometimes I have my electrolytes that are expensive that are in yeah. my pack that if I can avoid not using it, cause I'm almost done, yeah. I'll go home and, and yeah. I'll eat and I'll take maybe electrolytes that are less expensive. Yeah. Um, and there's been times where on my way home, I've cramped so bad that I can't drive. Yeah. I'll call my wife and be like, I, I so, don't know what to do. I literally can't drive. You get this. So mm -hmm. now imagine if you're out in the middle of nowhere. Sorry. And Kai, can we fix that? Now imagine. <laughs> I'm with you. I always, I always knock that light over. It's guaranteed at some no, point. That was pretty good after six hours. <sighs> Jeez. 
You probably just switched to him when he said, now imagine. I believe so. I mean, if you want to start on the wide, you can. Yeah, I was just on the, I'll start on the wide. And then I was thinking, I don't know if you're just going to flow into these questions or if you want to I'll just flow into them. Start onto the, on the wide and do the intro and go into the questions. Thank you. I, I'll do that if I, if I need to, but I think, I think we can flow into it naturally. Um, uh, do you want me to say what I said or do you got it? I got it. Okay. Let me know when you're ready, Kai. Perfect. So you're like the perfect case. Mm -hmm. Imagine that kind of cramping. You're out in the wilderness, mm -hmm. no one around, no one to talk to, mm -hmm. and no way to even figure a way out of that. Right. So the people who are maybe more bot bot botanically advanced than me, I'm not mm -hmm. really a great forager. Mm -hmm. Not my thing. Mm -hmm. I just, I know I can live off meat. So I know the medicinals. I know a few edibles, mm -hmm. whatever, enough. They're like, oh, these, this colt's foot has sodium. This thing out there. It's not all over the place. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, it's a boreal swamp. <laughs> right. You're not going to eat moss and get rid of cramps. Right. I'm not betting on my, <laughs> you know, knowledge of plants to get one half ounce of colt's foot into salt, which, mm -hmm. you know, is what they talked about there. It's like, gotcha. oh, there's, here's the list of all the sodium and potassium plants. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, no, not, not relying on that. Right. So that is devastating to both your psyche oh, and yeah. your, your physically, you know, you're not running optimally. Right. Fasting. I don't really feel like I'm running less than optimally. I'm mm -hmm. hungry. Mm -hmm. It's annoying, but I could still do quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can't have my best workout, but I can go fishing. I right. can go hunting. I can make a good arrow, mm -hmm. put an arrow in there. So why wouldn't I take the salt and feel optimal and avoid that travesty? Right. And I've seen enough people have issues, especially with your, your sodium potassium pumps in your heart and mm -hmm. stuff, start having blood pressure issues. Mm -hmm. I just, that's just not worth the risk to me. I would rather do the labor, yep. have the salt and do more ax cutting. That's right, what I right, said. Right. I said at the end of the day, you need the ax to cut through ice. Mm -hmm. You need to get water. It's a, it's a more versatile tool through history. Mm -hmm. Saw isn't. If I'm going to leave one, I went, I left the saw and I went for my health right. and my sustainability. And let me tell you, the food out there, not going to, no spoiler, <laughs> tastes amazing oh, with salt. Okay. Oh, that, I always have thought about that. Like, I bet you it does. I've always thought that you should distill the salt from the water and use it as seasoning, but maybe that's not a thing. If you're near the ocean, it is. Oh, uh, yeah. But you weren't here. There, somebody what was, was the location? was uh, Labrador. We were on Big River. What sets this apart compared to a lot of the other ones that they've had? Uh, I mean, consistent, as far as I can tell, with being wicked remote. Mm -hmm. Like, there was, it was out there enough that if you had medical problems, mm -hmm. your only way back to town was a chopper. Gotcha. There was no driving anywhere. And that's only if the weather's good. It was a helicopter or boat. Mm. So you were at the edge of, of humanity. Gotcha. That's why I didn't see any trash or any boot tracks. Right. Um, so it was Labrador, big river, and then we were on the river. So some people were more at the headwaters and some people were actually near the coast. Mm -hmm. So you had a tide flux at some of the sites and some were just a river and then some iced up early and others had this tide keeping them open. So all the sites play a huge component into this and you draw those randomly. Aren't there polar bears up there? There are, but I mean... That's not a high probability, I don't think, of seeing one mm -hmm. until ice over. So gotcha. maybe if you stayed through the winter, they would come down through. But they're up. We're in, like, fall here, you know. Right. It's very humid, very moist. 
the forest is really dark. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of spruce. So when you go into it, you'd instantly feel a chill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, building your shelter was mm-hmm. really critical to where you put that because if you're in those humid, dark spots, it just eats Ooh. your morale up. Right. And you can't even get warm by the fire. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to balance out the sunlight and stuff like that. So there's, it was a challenging location. Um, it was remote and it was... And you never felt any any issues as far you never felt, you know, big predator wise. You never felt vulnerable. No, I just don't though. Yeah, I mean, I've developed that. Just I like wonder how other contestants are. Gonna, I'm sure they feel it a yeah. little bit, and people asked about especially it. just knowing. Yeah. Oh yeah, these other seasons there's been bears, but not polar bears. Yeah. I mean, it is a component. You mm-hmm. know, when I first heard about it, I was excited. Like they were like, okay, so we're going to a location that has this, this, and this. And a probability of this. And I'm like, sweet. That's my advantage. <laughs> right. I've slept on the ground in deadfalls of logs in mm-hmm. Montana and grizzly country. Mm-hmm. And you hear them going by hoofing at you at night. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm used to that. That's yeah, yeah. normal. I'm willing to go there because no one wants to bow hunt in those areas. Right. So I've pushed myself to that uncomfortable already and I know how to manage it. Gotcha. So I felt like I had a huge advantage there when other people would be timid and mm-hmm. locking down. I'd be like, bring it. Let's go. That's awesome tough thing is you can't hunt that stuff. So right. anyway, that makes it a little challenging, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great location. It was cool. I would rather, you know, if I had my choice gone like somewhere like Yukon or great slave Lake, just mm-hmm. cause they got more stuff to hunt mm-hmm. with the musk ox and the moose was on the menu. We didn't have some of those things. We didn't have the moose populations decimated in the mm. caribou. They can't even figure out why they're not there. Really? There used to be like caribou everywhere. And they said, they're just like, if they evaporated gotcha. and the fishing game doesn't even know why. Wow. Weird. So, um, better than last season, as far as opportunity by far, mm-hmm. B- Bilco, Chilco Lake was like really regulated mm-hmm. and this was really good. Cool. We could hunt a lot. So it'll be really fun to watch because I think people ate a lot better yeah. and had a lot more success mm-hmm. and the fishing was really good for right. the most part. I understood, um, is a trophy fishery. Okay. Um, no gill netting, um, mm-hmm. because of that. So okay. respect to the land yep. and not, and not hurting her. So a really cool, different season, a different look, but still hardcore, really harsh weather. Like yeah. you're freaking, when the weather comes in, it's just like mm. wind, sketchy, mm-hmm. you know, cold, wind, and humid. The humidity thing was a big part of the sleeping bag I took. I went with a, a synthetic insulation mm-hmm. just because it's ability to resist the constant moisture. Right. You know, so that was a big decision for me. I had a, I had the best down bag known to man in my possession, and I thought about it for two weeks, and I sent it back and went with... Um, a bag of synthetic insulation that probably smart, probably a good decision. Um, really heavy, really big. I would, I kind of wanted the down to be more mobile in case I had to move camps, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't trust that weather. Right. That was another gamble I'm kind of talking about Mm -hmm. with your gear. So it's hard to predict all that stuff. Had I been there and you sent me back now, I would, I would do a couple things different, but I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with how I went at it for my first attempt being dropped somewhere where I didn't know where I was going. So purely authentic. It's just authentic, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's good entertainment. I think I've watched them obviously all and 
And I just feel like I just love the characters. Right. You know, I fall, oh, I yeah. really, you fall in love I with romance the with them and I'm not a people person. Like, yeah. I like animals a lot, but, but they're like, into what you're into. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh man, the skills, Oh, the heart. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like a little bit of what I felt in Rocky, you know, mm-hmm. when he's just getting kicked down by the Russian, he just crawls back up and takes it again. Yeah. You're like that person should be done. Oh, right. And then they just pulled another rabbit <laughs> yeah. out and they're back in it. Yeah, or yeah. they just said, no, I'm not, I'm not done. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, just going to get through this one hour this one day or this travesty that happened to me and i just i was like i want to be put in that those shoes love it i want to see what that's like Mm -hmm. like i've never experienced that right it's it's the real deal i got got to drink the kool-aid that's awesome what was your uh, favorite part of being on the show a lot of it i can't say um obviously Mm -hmm. um but on a general spectrum just the greatest gift was you know, being in this chapter in my life and getting to do something, I will call it, um, you know, a sponsored hunting trip. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't really afford to go on too many hunting trips or whatever. I don't afford because we have it all right here. Right. That's the beauty of this. I don't have to. I like to go to Alaska. But that was like, hey, you get to go video yourself on a hunting trip wherever we drop you. And mm-hmm. you get to stay as long as you want. Right. And I don't have to come home to go to work. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get it, you know, moderately compensated regardless of how you do, just so you don't go backwards. Right. You know, it's not like anything, but enough that it makes it legitimate that you can sure. be away from home for months. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why wouldn't I want to do that? Right. I'll go hunt anywhere in the world, even if I'm just hunting, you know. That's and, nice that they do that. I didn't realize they did that. Yeah. Some compensation. Yeah. It's base just, minimum. It's yeah, like yeah. minimum wage or whatever. It's gotcha. not like you're, 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 you got a lot, but it's enough to just help you pay your bills. Right. Um, whatever. I don't even know. Um, do you feel the motivation as far as, cause I think a lot of general audience members watch it yeah. and they go, I could do anything for half a million. You uh, can't. That's not true. <laughs> and I think that's what people think. It, was that at all a motivational tool for you or did that go out the window? It doesn't right work when you for me. There? It's never worked for me. Not a money guy at all. No, I'm just not. And I'm not saying I don't have And I think a pay. lot of these people honestly become not. I, I don't yeah. think a lot I mean, of these like, people are money people. No. And I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't help or whatever, but I've never found that making my life easier makes it better. Mm-hmm. I'm still sworn on that. Even though wherever I'm at today from whatever experience I had, you know, whatever outcome came, like, I don't feel like ever finding a way to go hunting easier, make my technology better. Mm -hmm. I always do better if I make it harder and figure it out and challenge myself. And a lot of times I'll eat those words, but I'll still pull it off and go like, God, that sucked. But Mm -hmm. I still learned a lot. Right. So in this case, I wasn't like, you know, God, having a bunch of money would just make my life better. I just still have such a great life. And I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful for the life I have regardless the thing that would make my life better was getting to go learn how to make my life harder out there mm. and benefit. I just gained like 10 years of experience in three, four months Right. that I would, I maybe never would have had that much experience. Mm-hmm. I have a whole new, I went like three levels of confidence up in my woodsmanship. Mm. I can walk in anywhere and figure it out now. Right. I believe in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you can get that without putting yourself under the knife and enduring some of that stuff that that show taught me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it actually shows me how much I learned in my life doing what I do self-taught. Right. It kind of validated my life and self-taught life since I moved here from mm-hmm. California. So that was the greatest gift. No money can buy you that. Right. You know, and it, it, who would want the money if you didn't earn it anyway? Like, you got to suffer right. and earn that shit. And mm-hmm. then hopefully you do something, you know, 
decent with it or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, but making, you know, Roland was really into the money. He, it sounded like I'm, I'm going to do this a million. Who wouldn't do a million that I never said that once. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought it. I mean, mm-hmm. I try and chew on it and just be like, am I really sitting here right now starving? <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, it's just freaking kicking my ass and getting a paycheck is going to make this better. <laughs> and I was like, no, cause that's not it. Why am I doing it? Why am I going to endure this uncomfortableness right now? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's cause I want to look back and I want like people to be motivated by that. Right. That's far more important to me. I saw that and I was having a tough time in my life. I figured if you could do that, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to look at that and go like, dad, you're freaking hardcore. Mm-hmm. Not like, Oh, you did that. So we could have a better education. You can get educated freaking working at, at McDonald's, mm-hmm. you just have to be open to learning. Right. So the money wasn't going to buy us any of that. You know, um, that wasn't it. I just wanted the real deal experience. I wanted the humility. I'm going to take whatever I get from the criticism or the lack of criticism, how I handled stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't really care. I learned, I know how to do it better. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way to do it is put yourself on the chopping block and freaking eat it. You yeah. Know? And learn from it. Right. Made mistakes. Already learned from them. Mm-hmm. Already better. That's more awesome. grateful and just appreciative that I got the chance. So I won. People ask me, did you, did you win? I'm like, yeah. And I'll show you my again, hunting spots mm-hmm. when you, if you just come over <laughs> and I'll buy you the beers. Yeah. Yeah. I won. Cause I got to go. Right. I'm Willy Wonka chocolate factory. One Oh one. Yeah. That's what I say. Like I won the golden ticket. Cause I got to see the chocolate factory. Right. I got to go behind the doors and go live this real experience. And it wasn't sugar coated. Mm-hmm. That chopper did leave, mm-hmm. and it didn't come back, mm-hmm. and nobody did. Right, I was on my own, and you know what? It was freaking epic. Mm-hmm. Do it again tomorrow. Yep, they've already. They, Would you do this again after all that? Like, just tell me when. <sighs> Tomorrow. I'm probably going to do it on my own as soon as my wife gives me permission that the kids <laughs> right. aren't such you know management. Yeah, yeah. You know, with a ba- newborn and that mm-hmm. that. I'm going to go do a month minimum by myself right? in some new location. Mm-hmm. Just learn from it. So, was, um, In any way, did you surprise yourself uh, as you went through this? Did you learn anything new about yourself? Um, I mean, the, the obvious thing was that I was very competent beyond, I didn't get my, I'm hard on myself. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize how many skills I had innately developed mm-hmm. and how easy it came to me. I was just like, wow, I just didn't think I would be able to do all this. And it makes so much sense to me. But mm-hmm. I guess once I stepped back and looked, I've been training for this my whole life. Mm-hmm. And and then like just at survival school, when I went, I learned some techniques and stuff, but I'd already knew the basic concepts from just so many hours of field. So mm-hmm. it's back to that kind of that thousand hour, you know, to be an expert, mm-hmm. 10,000 hours to just be another level. I've put in 10,000 hours in the woods. Right. Does it mean I'm the best tracker? No, but I have a lot of instincts and a lot of intuition developed from just time afield. Mm-hmm. And I think most people are trying to shortcut that in life and and uh, and a lot of hunting and fishing stuff. And I said, don't, don't do that. Just go enjoy each step of the journey mm-hmm. from the stage of your life where you want to get limits to the stage of the life where you don't even want to get anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm closer to the stage where I don't, I only want to exactly get what I need. Mm-hmm. I don't need one ounce more. You know, I don't want, if I don't need a limit of chucker, I want three for the next three days. Mm-hmm. That's how many I'm going to shoot. I don't need to tell everyone how many chuckers I shot or that, you know, if I took a small bear, it was because it was the one that offered itself to me and I made a clean shot. 
not because it's the biggest. So a lot of cool things in the developmental process from being a new outdoorsman and being an advanced outdoorsman. Enjoy the whole spectrum, I guess. But yeah, I think I really felt like the experience boosted me and boosted my confidence. And if I learned anything, I still would go back to the fact that I have never really um, gotten a shelter to the point where I'm like just pumped about it. Mm -hmm. And I still don't have it down. (laughs) Right. Like I still was spending the energy doing shelter stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, was just not totally satisfied. Mm -hmm. And you, you'll see what I mean. Um, in, in the episodes, in the shows, just because, you know, there's things to develop, like how you heat the thing, how the smoke goes in it, Mm -hmm. how the wind in that area, where you build it, what aspect Mm -hmm. there's like 20 layers to a shelter build. Oh yeah. And until you start building, like you're obsessed with shelter building, Mm -hmm. just probably like home building. You just don't know those nuances. And I'm more of a wanderer. I'm a nomad. I'm not a, I don't like being in one spot. Mm -hmm. I don't like you know, my house is just to change gears and mm-hmm. go back out again. So once I got there and I had to determine that, I was like, whoa, oh man, I got to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have to undo stuff and redo stuff and, and kind of figure it out piece by right. piece. So I'd say that was the most challenging thing for me was really second guessing some of my shelter decisions and, and reworking them and working through that process was the most challenging thing mm-hmm. for me. And things I thought were going to be hard that, you know, I was thinking would really hamstring me or be the limiting factor I thrived on mm-hmm. and, and was absolutely beyond competent in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'd say for 90% plus maybe more, I was some of the happiest, most content of my life. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was deprived. Right. I never felt deprived. I would be hungry. I was never truly lonely or feeling like mm-hmm. I, I was over, you know, Wanting to be in human contact. Yeah. But that's a unique characteristic I think maybe I have. Right. I'm just okay on my own. Right, right. So that's to each person. But it would be fun for everybody to, I think when I first learned it backing into my training, when we did knife only for a week at survival school, went out in the middle of winter with just a knife and you had to do bow drill fire, you had to build shelter, you didn't have a blanket, Mm -hmm. nothing, no pot nothing. Mm -hmm. You had to find water, you had to build shelter, and then you had to endure in there was Navy SEAL dudes that weren't there on day three, right? you know, like that didn't know how to get it together and just mm-hmm. walked out. And then there was other dudes that, you know, weren't very skilled and, and they just kept at it. And on the day three, when they pull you for not having a fire, because mm-hmm. you're going to really be in trouble, they got a fire going at the last minute because they just persevered. So I think you got to start small mm-hmm. with outdoor stuff. And be easy on yourself, respect the game, the ethics that was around you, and then just take, enjoy each step of it, mm-hmm. you know, and then start setting some challenges for you. I think that's why I like weightlifting is because it rewards those who put in the work. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a wear a half shirt and go around. It's like, it's a badge of honor that I take pride mm-hmm. in my ability to do work. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go down in my later years by just giving it up. Right. I've heard people like, oh, now I'm 50 or 60. I don't have to put on that muscle anymore. I'm like, no, it's my, my freaking badge. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I don't care. I don't, bu- I don't believe in that. Right. I've seen strong, strong men into their 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. I choose to 
to follow. The Engelberts, the guy who trained me, still pulling 400-pound deadlifts at 80 years old. Gosh. Until he died, fishing and pulling deadlifts, wow. drinking raw milk. Badass. Mm-hmm. He's a legend. Mm-hmm. He's still in the gym right here in Haley, Engelberts. Oh, yeah. The rack, you know, that used to have the racket courts. Yep. That's where I started deadlifting. Gotcha. Gave me his deadlift suit to use in my first deadlift competition. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, yeah, enjoying doing that work and... I'm not going to go down without it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really stoked on that experience. I hope that the show, um, you know, is it portrays a lot of the, the good ups mm-hmm. and uh, the ones that I remember and surprises me with some of the stuff that I kind of forgot that maybe was more important than I forgot. Right. And I'm like, oh, God, I, Dude, what was I thinking? Yeah. You know, I know I'm gonna have a few of those because it's hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Totally. And you you can't be twenty, you can't be a hundred percent on those calories and in those situations with uh-huh. that kind of pressure. But it'll be fun to be like, oh man, really? I could have <laughs> easily avoided that one. You got to. I'm gonna get yep. butchered for that. Right, right. Well, I'm definitely super excited to watch it. Um, I'm gonna write down a bunch of questions yeah. as I watch it because. I mean, that's what I've always wanted to do. Uh, so if you're willing to come back oh, on, yeah. let's do it. That would be incredible. And I'll ask the questions that I wrote down during during yeah. the whole thing. Just keep it real. Totally. If you got a real one, even if it's a low blow, yeah. feel free to ask it because okay. that's how we learn and I get better. I don't foresee too many of those, but I probably have a couple mm-hmm. things that were, you know, obviously hindsight. Yeah. I'm going to be like, yeah, that was just, you know, could have avoided that one. Well, and even questions for, you know asking about other contestants that you can oh. give some more insight on because you, the environment what I would have done with yeah, that situation or, or, or even just or even just explaining the reason that oh, gotcha. they were doing this that, is those because of the environment because of the rain because yeah. of whatever it is you know yeah. um, I think that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, it'll be cool from your perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably do just a little bit. I just started a YouTube, mm-hmm. um, GoPro Idaho, with just some of my adventures and stuff. Yeah, um, but I probably do like after each season, just like what I saw in yeah. five minutes after I each mean, episode. Yeah, Clay said that was Perfect. something he did, and it helped with a lot of the mm-hmm. feedback. Yeah, and it, it's just not that I I'm not I don't do anything to check you know the box for somebody else sure. you're going to make your own decision on totally me as a character or whatever from the show but I'll at least like to clarify yeah I should have done this this and this differently mm-hmm. or I did really well with this this was a gift mm-hmm. they didn't show that but like I was so lucky to have pulled that off right, you know right. I'm just kind of even it out and I think I can do that as long as I send it into them and yeah. they check it out so yeah, make some questions. Let's have some laughs. Yeah, I'm all for uh, for hashing it out and uh-huh. and uh, hoping people will get some good entertainment out of my uh, my experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing else. I want people to learn from what I did, and if it helps them in, enjoy their life more, then that's that was what it was all about. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Well, everyone, make sure you go ahead and watch alone on the History Channel again, May 26th. 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Benji, it was awesome having yeah, you Yeah, thanks on. for having me. It's oh, been a thank you so much for coming. We could have talked for two more hours. I know, I we'll know. Just, we'll just do it again in a little bit. That'd be great. All thank right. you so much. Thanks, Tyler.